0: Biober Politic Podcast, the show from normal Americans.
1: From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed.
2: Let me be clear tonight. The people of Haiti have been through more. They've been through more, they've withstood more. They fought back against more injustice than our president ever has. Tomorrow marks exactly eight years since the earthquake struck Haiti, a 7.1 magnitude earthquake killed anywhere between 220,000 and 300,000 people. The actual numbers will never be known because they were buried in an unmarked
3: pit. I think Wolf, what we have to come to grips with, and I, I almost have to think back to the day when we were at Trump Tower, uh, when the president was commenting on Charlottesville and he was said, saying that there were very fine people on both sides, uh, saying that there are very fine people among the white supremacists and the Nazis is that the president of the United States just seems to have a problem here Wolf in this area. And we can tiptoe around it, we can dance around it and not really put our finger on it, but the president seems to harbor racist uh, feelings about people of color uh from other parts of the world and it's just a terrible thing to
4: to have come out of your mouth. It it just shows that uh you know the, the president has racist views. I mean you know when, how long do we have to dance around that that issue. Uh,
3: what these remarks reflect is that the president uh, just seems to harbor uh some some deep-seated uh, racial attitudes about people of color coming in from other parts of the world. Uh, And he makes it it very clear in these comments.
5: I mean, this was disgraceful. It was disturbing. It was vulgar. It was alarming in every way. And
6: this is a president who not only seems to not understand his office of the presidency, but no understanding what America is and who Americans are and actually
7: what makes America great. I'm a proud shitholer. My family was called wops and mackerel eaters. We came from Italians and Irish who were regarded as people from shithole countries. A century ago, we called people slant eyes, Chinese immigrants that we're now ashamed of speaking about in those terms because they came from a shithole country, and now they're a backbone of this country. In the 1940s, we called people traitors because they came from a shithole country we called Japan, and we're ashamed. We call people who fled from conflict in Central America spicks and wetbacks, and we're ashamed. The president is growing this country on the backbone of bigotry that comes from when I saw my family called spics, wops, and macroleaders. We should be ashamed. We've learned too many lessons, and history will tell you that if you don't read history, you'll repeat them. That's what our
2: president did for us today. I am not proud. Tom now for The Ridiculous, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the president's weekend declaration of his superior intellect. In a series of tweets, the president insisted that he is, like, really smart and a very stable genius, thereby becoming the latest in a long line of really smart people who publicly announced that they are geniuses. And by long line, I mean there are two other examples.
8: Permit me to introduce myself. My name is Coyote, while E. Coyote,
5: genius. You guys, I'm like really smart now. You don't even know.
2: That's right. Wiley E. Coyote and Kelly from the office. And now the President of the United States. This came up briefly when Senator Lindsey Graham was on the view this morning.
6: So do you think he's like really smart and a stable genius?
2: <laughs> I think this. If he doesn't call himself a genius, nobody else will. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the first. Well, I got to laugh, but it's not actually true that nobody else will call him a genius. A few came close yesterday, and one did, in fact, use the G word. No one questions
9: the stability of the president. Well, they-
2: president Trump is completely capable. The reality
10: is, is the president is a political genius.
2: A political genius. Okay, some people believe that, and that's fine, but that's not really what we're getting at here. On Twitter, many pointed to the Einstein quote, I am not a genius, I am just curious. Many more thought the only stable genius out there is America's favorite talking horse from days of TV or the famous Mr. Ed. And speaking of horses, of course, of course, someone else tweeted stable genius sounds like a Nat Geo show about a guy who helps horses with psychological and behavioral issues. There were also a few variations of this perspective, quote, I've not lost my mind. He shouted into a handheld device at 7 a.m. on a Saturday and really summing it up. I'm a very stable genius is something you hear a lot from very stable geniuses. Now, it's true that the president's Twitter declaration was about as subtle as a face tattoo that says, I'm understated. But if you think about it, he did show some remarkable restraint. For instance, he didn't even mention that he also happens to be the world's most highly skilled athlete.
11: I've seen this guy throw a dead spiral through a tire. I've seen him at Madison Square Garden with a top coat on. He's standing in the key and he's hitting foul shots and swishing them. Okay? He sinks three
2: foot putts. See, he could have mentioned all of that, the putts, the swishes, and the dead spirals. He could have repeated that. He has all the best words and hires the best people, went to the best college or colleges, and has the biggest hands. But he didn't. He just said one little thing about being like a really smart, stable genius, and that's what we like to call restraint and humility on the ridiculous.
8: And this is for anyone who may be taken aback by my comments. I want to be very clear here. I don't really care if you are. I hope you are. For years now, it has been... You know, two and a half years since he officially entered the political arena. For years, I and others have been trying to tell you, the American people, that this man was exhibiting bigoted behavior. I asked him about it a number of times, and he denied it, but kept up the racist rhetoric and behavior throughout the campaign, and now while he's in the White House. His supporters made excuses, continue to make excuses for him. Some of them people I personally know. Some of them are his friends, as a matter of fact, and I can hear them now telling me, oh, Don, Donald didn't mean that, Donald isn't a racist, or just people who don't know him. I don't think, I think he was taken out of context, I'm not sure. How many examples do you need of this? But he is a racist. And for all of you who, over the last few years, have uttered that tired, lazy, uninformed, uneducated, ignorant response of calling me and others who point out racist behavior racists, you know what you can go do? I can't say that, but you can go read a book, a history book, because you might learn that people from some of those shithole countries were slaves who were brought here by force to help build this country and then start your learning process from there. You also might want to do some self-examination. What does it say about you that no matter what, no matter what, you continue to make excuses for this man, for his vile behavior, this sort of vile behavior, doesn't that make you just as bad, if not worse, than him? And I have to be honest, I was, at, I was not shocked that Donald Trump reportedly called the majority of black and Hispanic countries uh, or continents shitholes. I wasn't shocked. I'm not. I'm really not outraged by it. I'm not outraged. I'm tired of being outraged, as a matter of fact. I've been outraged too many times. It's so more important to be strategic than to be outraged. Some people can be outraged, but it's more important for level-headed people to be strategic rather than outraged. Otherwise, it becomes a sky-is-falling situation every time he says something dumb or stupid or racist. Here's why I'm not outraged. Because people of color warned you. You called us racists or race-baiters. I'm not mad that you call me those things because I'm not one of them. So why are you mad if someone calls you a racist if you know you're not one? Think about that. If you know you're not a racist, then why are you mad about it when someone calls out racism? What does that say about you? You know what those black and brown folks who you call racists are saying now? They're saying you bought it, you own it. And as we say in the South, and you know what this means.
12: And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 13th of January, year of our Lord, 2018. Yeah, that was a thing this week. Some meeting, somebody leaked that he said it. He says he didn't, but the media, as you could tell, well, CNN, wow, they were hurt. Anderson Cooper almost cried. Don Lemon called all Americans who voted for Trump. First, he said we can go fuck ourselves. Then he said, we told you. People at Kelly, he's a racist because those countries happen to have black, the whole world has black people. In the countries. Uh, so is, so you can't say anything anymore? Is that what you're saying? So for the Washington Post, exclusive Trump attacks protections for immigrants with shit old countries. Philip Brucker, today's shit old country story reminds me of this piece from Wayback Machine. Haiti holds a special place in the hearts of Bill and Hillary Clinton, where they glowingly covered it. And, and we all know what happened to that. Haiti's a shithole because of them. Paul Fari, one bit of collateral damage to the present choice of adjectives today. Shithole will be all over America's schoolyards tomorrow. They play that. Oh, the children. The children. What is wrong? The children. You can't say that to the children. Everybody in the world said, yeah, hello, if you don't think kids are already talking like that, are you on fucking crack? That's what kids talk like. That's how kids talk. there there's no doubt in my mind children say shit. But this is where we are. You know, it's always the little things, It's stuff that's not that important. It's not it's not major cuz they don't have major They just go for net-noid and go crazy. So those in the resistance out there are saying, oh, you're full of shit, Tony. Oh, really? Let's look back to a brief history of profanity. They actually, Rolling Stones, mocked people saying the president shouldn't call Mitt Romney a bullshitter. Here's Abraham Lincoln. There's nothing to make an Englishman shit quicker than the sight of General George Washington. Barack Obama. Obama really drew the IR pious, calling Obama, opponent Mitt Romney a bullshitter. Sometimes the majority of is the most precise. Joe Biden, this is a big fucking deal. Dick Cheney. Cheney reportedly told Vermont Senator Panic Leahy to go fuck himself. Do you remember that? I do. George Bush commented on the pres- uh, presence of a New York Times reporter, Adam Clymer, believing he had an audience of one. Bush called Clymer a major league asshole. Barack Obama again. I don't think I should take any shit from anybody on that. Do you? Richard Nixon. The Watergate tapes put the phrase "expletive deleted" on the map. Lyndon Johnson. I do know the difference between chicken shit and chicken salad. John F. Kennedy. This is obviously a fuck up. Harry Truman. And Truman's eye. Douglas MacArthur was a du- Douglas MacArthur was a dumb son of a bitch. Yeah. Now we've had so many ma- meltdowns over S word, he's been called a Nazi evil KKK terrorist sympathizer. In an article, the media, react- media reaction to President Trump using the word shithole to describe countries some immigrants are fleeing was swift, harsh, and hysterically hyperbolic. In the hours after the Washington Post report surfaced, reporters and anchors on major news networks called the president evil. A neo-Nazi, a terrorist sympathizer, a danger to non-white Americans, and so, so much more. To keep track of it all, we've assembled the following compendium of most unhinged media reaction to Trump's comments over the last 18 hours. A writer at The Root, Jason Johnson, said these comments show Trump is a white supremacist, a terrorist sympathizer, and a danger to non-whites. I'm not going to read the quote because it just re-summarizes what he says. Number two, Joe Scarborough said Friday morning that Trump use of the word shithole proves his theory that the commander-in-chief is suffering from early-onset dimension. Stephen Colbert used Trump's comments to say that America is the real shithole because we elected him president. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Donnie Deutsch on MSDNC he It proves that Trump's a racist, but also insane, crazy, and an evil, evil man. An MSN, ND, MSDNC guest and former press secretary Bernie Sanders, Erica Oleanda, said he's a white supremacist. Representative Luis Guterres, a total fucking racist. Said the comments show that Trump could lead the Ku Klux Klan in the United States of America. On CNN, anchors and reporters use the report as an apparent justification for swearing on the air, repeatedly enthusiastic, while condemning the president for using vulgarities. Anchors use the offended word over and over so many times. In fact, we made this supercut. And I can't download this because it's, of course, blocked. But here is it. I'm going to turn up the sound because we have to do it over the mic, which isn't as good. If this is such an offensive word... Why would CNN use it this many times?
2: Here we Having go. Having all these people from shithole countries come here uh, as
8: a shithole, as living in shithole. In Those in country shitholes. Remember, we're all shitholders. I, that
3: was considered a shithole. These people from shithole, from shithole countries. Shithole countries.
2: Come uh shithole the people from shithole countries. Mm-hmm. All the countries of Africa are shitholes. These people from shithole countries come. This shithole is shithole, shithole. countries. From shithole countries
5: come here.
13: People who come from shitholes coming from shithole
14: countries. From the the shit narrative. Narrative.
12: Of night uh, of the shithole that from shit. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's that that's that's the way we go, huh? I'm speechless. Because if it's such a bad word, why would you say it 4,000 times, CNN? And then closing on this article, a former Trump supporter, uh, Jason Miller, defended Trump's comment. CNN contributor Anna Navarro suffered a complete meltdown, screaming and becoming unusually emotional. Well, while we're recording over the mic, what the fuck? Let's listen to this. Listen, uh, the reason that
14: this country is great and the reason that people want to come here. Is because this country has been built, decade after decade, from the very start, by people fleeing political persecution, by people fleeing shitholes. A lot of the people who built this country came from shitholes in Africa, and they were shackled to the bowels of ships, and then whipped and beaten, and auctioned off like property. A lot of the people. All that-
12: right, that's enough of that shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not playing that game no more. So yeah, that, that, that's that that's that's where we're at. That, he says shithole. That he says he doesn't say, it's somebody linking, even if he said it, they are shithole countries. The problem with the media is they don't go to the shithole countries. I'm sorry to say, Oman, shithole. Kuwait, shithole. Iraq, shithole. Afghanistan, shithole. Pakistan, shithole. Shithole countries. Compared to America, they're fucking shitholes. When you shit in the ground, you're a shithole. But it's just they want to fit. It's a a talking point memo. Talking point memo. They can't leave anything alone. National championship game. Washington Post plays up 30 leftist Trump supporters at a college football championship. One of the supporters put fuck Trump and dismantle white supremacy No one is illegal. Medicare for all. And they had a projector and they put it on the side of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah. It was the Metro Atlanta DSA group. Yeah. That's that's what we did. Because nothing, nothing stops. It always happens. And to make it even worse during this week... ICE, says immigration agents, served notice of inspection and conducted interviews with employees and managers of 98, 7-Elevens. And heard it up like 26 people. And in the process, of course, I'm not playing the sound bites. The media lost their fucking mind. What is he doing? Though ICE has become brown shirts and Gestapo. Actual article. By blue check media. We're not talking some fucking weirdo like Nora Tandon on a resist website. But our big thing was the Golden Globes. I want to start. With people actually summed it up. Jenna Jameson. I found absolutely nothing about the Golden Globes courageous or groundbreaking when it comes to standing up for women who have endured rape and sexual attacks. They couldn't even muster up enough courage to call out anyone by name. Hashtag you all knew. She followed up because they could have all three hours called names without putting a dent in the list. Then Ben Shapiro, I'm not watching the Golden Globes, but I'm hearing a lot about female empowerment, which is great. I assume everybody's paying it forward by sounding off about repression in Iran, right? Because, yeah, we still don't even talk about that. But the big thing was Oprah. Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. Just... Craziness! I have a media soundbite I'm going to play. It's like the media was so excited for this; they needed their next Hillary. That NBC News, as we'll see, literally tweeted, "Meet your next president." <laughs> they were so excited and embarrassed they had to take it down. Alex Griswold. I feel a bit unseemly for the White House correspondent to openly advocate the possible Trump challenger like this. She can articulate any issue. Laugh my ass off. Yeah, I bet Oprah has devoted a lot of time to the U.S.-Canada softwood lumber agreement. She has a grasp of issues that you can use cover local politics. When? 30 years ago? You're embarrassing yourself. David Ruiz, the idea of mainstream media bias continues to be a appalling myth. It is fiction, he said jokingly. They were so over the top that Jennifer Palmieri and Peter Dow had... To get in because, I had a sound bite, it's a cult. There were articles by Jonathan Allen, Oprah inspires in a way that Hillary never could. The gist on the mainstream media was that Oprah didn't connect, or excuse me, Hillary didn't connect, but Oprah could. So, Paul Mary, friends, that's because you didn't believe Trump could win, so HRC's aspirational contrasting message didn't quite hit the mark the way Oprah did. Oprah offered a path away from dark message we hear from actual sitting POTUS. You all thought, and she spelled thought, T-H-O-T, O-T, HRC was just scaring everyone. Peter Dow, can someone tell me the purpose of this? Hillary Clinton has inspired tens of millions of people in America and across the country. She is Gallup's most admired woman for 16 consecutive years. When will white male reporters stop this? All Oprah did was give a speech about me too. Slate gave an article, the case against Oprah, not reading it. Miha said, already with this shit, relax, have the DC to consider the way you treated Hillary. Then they got pissed off. Stephen Miller sums it up, as we hear, you know, in the intro of this show, CNN melting down over the word shithole. They were all in. Banners, live updates for 2020. Axel Porter, Meg Wagner, and Amanda Willis are running a website page. She didn't even say she's doing it. He sums it up with, there are 13-year-old Justin Bieber fans that show more restraint than what CNN is showing towards Oprah. Oprah. Because you know why? Oprah is now the new wet dream. It's the ultimate wet dream. Obama was lacking something. He wasn't gay. So now you have a gay black woman. You've hit three points on the intersectionality check card. You get a free download for any app on your iPhone. But the best way to sum CNN CNN, is just to play it. Listen, that this is a news network. This used to be the premier news network. Listen to this fawning.
0: So, Brian, you think that Oprah Winfrey is running for president. But President
15: Winfrey, that was the talk of the liberal-leaning ballroom. Here's why. That her speech to the Golden Globe seemed downright presidential. It's almost as if her speech, which almost sounded like a campaign stump speech, and it sounded a lot like a campaign speech. And what a speech it was. We've seen this speech in some ways go viral overnight. And there was so much chatter after her speech about an idea of a President Winfrey. And that speech, if anything, it gave people even more reason uh to dream it up. Uh the minute that she finished that speech at the Golden Globes, I started calling her friends, her confidants, her business associates. Oprah is actively thinking about the possibility. She is actively thinking about the idea. Uh, she is actively thinking about running for president. She's definitely taking this possibility seriously. But it is very significant to know that she's taking this idea seriously and but I think the headline Allison is she's not ruling this out. Oprah Winfrey has no official comment about all this 2020 chatter. I don't know, President Winfrey, do we have to get used to hearing that idea? I thought a year ago when she signed up with CBS on 60 Minutes, I thought back then, you know what she's doing? She's testing the waters for 2020. She wanted to see that first female president happen. She may look in the mirror and say... Maybe that could be me. Uh, and we know what Oprah Winfrey brings. She brings tremendous star power. She has a lot of fame, well-known all around the world. Plus, she is a worldwide icon. She brings deep pockets. She has a lot of fortune. Uh, of course, a very rich, wealthy woman. She is a, a self-made woman. She brings a deep well of charisma, and a deep well of charisma. And the one thing Oprah Winfrey has, more than anyone else in the world, is star power. What she would bring is the ability to put on a show. Yeah, well, Oprah I mean, I Winfrey knows how to perform a She knows how to stand out on television. And among other things, what we are seeing uh, is a political moment for her. We're going to start to see Winfrey's name hold right alongside Joe Biden. And she is in some ways the anti-Trump. After all, she hosted the best known daytime talk show in America. She is a black woman, a voice for minorities and for women. That's why, as Van said, so many white women love her as well as black women and many men as well. Oprah 2020, where did this come from? It's
16: one thing to say 12 diet cokes, 12 diet cokes, right? If we're saying, according to the times, that he drinks this many, what does this do to to the brain and the body every day, right?
17: So, Brooke, you want to be healthy, right? I'd like to be, yes. I want to be healthy as well. (laughs) I do as well. Everybody is trying to be healthy. So, for the average soda drinker, this is the healthier choice, right? Because Just, one. just one. Well, in moderation, right? Because if you're choosing between regular soda or diet soda, this has less calories or no calories, right? There's some that are less or zero. But There's so what does
16: 12 do to you?
17: 12. What happens with 12 is that this essentially replaces what other liquids will provide to your body. So your body, as you know, is mainly water. Okay. A good majority of your body is water. Your body needs water to survive, to to do everything, to speak, to be on TV, everything. And by you drinking this, it's essentially replacing that area in your body. Not necessarily dehydrating, but it's replacing a liquid that you can't take, which is water. You should be drinking water, not this. Is
16: this doing anything super crazy, harmful, or is it just me and I'm I'm not getting enough water? Like, does this do anything to your bladder, your kidneys, or anything?
17: Not necessarily the behaviors that are associated with drinking diet soda people think that if I drink diet soda can I have that piece of cake now can I be able to do all these other things that well if I had regular soda maybe I have to stay away from all these sweets and everything else that may not be so healthy so maybe you're allowing yourself for two, soups, two scoops of ice cream and Big Macs exactly because I drink the diet soda Right. But, and that's what I worry about with it's, you can't look at the body as it's just this, right? You need to think of the body in its entirety. What are you drinking? What are you eating? How much are you sleeping? How much stress are you getting a day? This all affects the body. It's not okay. just twelve cans.
16: Well, he doesn't drink anything. He doesn't drink. <laughs> anything. I guess you know diet soda. There you go, Dr. Yeah. Nazareth. Thank you so much. No just curious, what uh, does diet soda? Do. The new day is on the
15: horizon acceptance speech or campaign kickoff. Make no mistake about it. Oprah Winfrey is thinking about running for president. Two sources close to the media icon say she's been having conversations about this for months, with some in her inner circle urging her to run. Winfrey's speech about the Me Too
14: movement almost sounded like a stump speech. Speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Winfrey's longtime partner,
15: Stedman Graham, was asked by an LA Times reporter if Oprah would run. His response? It's up to the people. She would absolutely do it. She already has Hollywood's vote.
17: But there's only one person whose name is a verb, an adjective, and a feeling. And that is Oprah.
15: Does the rest of the country agree? I don't even know her political
7: thoughts, frankly.
15: In 2015, Trump praised Winfrey.
7: She's a friend of mine. She's a great person.
15: Both Trump and Winfrey are rich and famous. Forbes says Trump is worth 3.1 billion dollars, Winfrey 2.8 billion, and both know how to put on a show. To the party! But that's where the similarities stop. She is seen as liberal. He is conservative. She is America's generous aunt. And he is America's testy uncle. You're fired. He is 71. She is 63. All that is God. She has a show about spirituality. He rarely talks about religion, two Corinthians, right, two Corinthians she promotes weight watchers. he loves mcdonald 's. She got her start as a reporter, yeah, right. thanks to a politician He attacks the media it 's time to expose the crooked media. She has a famous uh, book club the joy you 're going to have reading this for the first time and he reportedly does not have time for books.
7: I read uh, areas i 'll read chapters. I just,
15: I don't have the time. Where Trump's brand is divisive, embracing voter anger, the Winfrey promotes civility like. and unity.
14: By the time of the next presidential election, are we more likely to have come together? Winfrey sometimes shoots down 2020,
15: Is There's there any chance she'll run for office? Never! But other times, she stokes the speculation.
14: I thought, oh, gee, I don't have the experience. I don't know enough. I don't know. And now I'm thinking, oh. <laughs> She has the platform, national
15: TV shows and 41 million Twitter followers. That's almost as many as Trump. She also has a presidential friend, Barack Obama. It's unclear if the two of them have talked about an Oprah ticket. But hey, it's too bad Trump doesn't need a VP, because this is what he said in 1999.
3: Do you have a vice presidential candidate in mind? Well, I really haven't gotten quite there yet.
18: Uh, but I tomorrow, guess it's
19: just
3: you Oprah. Was, I love Oprah. Oprah would always be my first choice.
12: Oprah. Uh, now I threw in there because during this, they literally were doing articles for how many diet cokes he eats. There's an actual guy. It was, uh, I don't know. It's in our, our hypocrisy that live like Trump and how she's so healthy and Trump is so unhealthy. Did they ever watch Oprah show? She was like me. Balloon to fatness. Get skinny. Balloon to fatness. I mean, for fuck's sake, let's cause she speaks for Weight Watchers now. Do you really believe she's the healthiest person on the planet? Tweets. The sycophantic fawning over Oprah is crazy. Man, you are like sporting a major boner over this. Take a deep breath. That is towards Brian Seltzer. Gail King confirms Oprah is thinking about running. Brian Seltzer was masturbating on air over the thought of Oprah as president. And Sarah Gonzalez caught him. She literally said, according to her quote, that Oprah's not considering. Stop. Sarah, the reporter, a super woke journalist. Her problem with the Globes, I'm not sure how anyone can take Hollywood performative social justice activism seriously when a racist war criminal, Winston Churchill, is glorified and quoted and the whole room applauds. That was on an Oprah threat. So it doesn't matter because Oprah went there and P.T. Barnum, Bailey, whatever the fuck his name is, and Churchill, yeah, Uh okay. But Joshua Levinson kind of pulled it in. For years, lots of liberals have had a weird obsession with Oprah Winfrey. Between her emotional Golden Globe speech on NBC's accidental tweets suggesting that she should be the next president, we'll cover in a second. Today, the CNN reported that Oprah longtime partner Stedman Graham said that she would absolutely do it, despite her saying last year that she had no interest. I wanted to run for president, Meryl Streep told the Post. I don't think she had any intention of declaring, but now she doesn't have a choice. Early in the evening, Globe's host Seth Meyer actually teed up the speculation. Oprah Meyer says, looking at her in the audience, In 2011, I told some jokes about our current president at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Jokes about how he was unqualified to be president. And some have said that night might have convinced him to run. So if that's true, I just want to say, Oprah, you will never be president. You do not have what it takes. Ha ha ha, ho ho ho, everybody was happy. That whole thing was so teed up. He teed up all this, we can come out and be woke. Even had a line in there, because I tuned in just for a second. You you, At home, you might look at us as a bunch of tuxedoed elitists, but there's a lot of people that are living their American dream here. His whole monologue was trying to redeem Hollywood and say, we're not like the Red States. No, you're not. Because the red states don't jerk off on ferns. Jim Treacher had a great tweet on this. It'll be fun to watch all the journos who kiss President Obama's ass, then scream at anybody who kissed President Trump's ass, move on to kissing Oprah's ass. Reese Witherspoon. I will now officially divide time like this. Everything that happened before Oprah, everything that happened after. Dana Loach. Oprah isn't the first to use, you're my truth. Nor will she be the last. But it is such an annoying phrase. Truth doesn't change from person to person. It's weird to see your ce- celebrator speech on Weinstein behavior in Hollywood when she basically spiked Rona Farrow's story. Which is true. Yeah. Yeah. So did the NBC tweet. This is actually NBC News. Nothing but respect for our future president. Golden Globes. That was NBC. They were all in. It won't stop. It just won't stop. But even why they tried to do this thing and clean the reputation for being fucking sexual assaultist, James Franco wins an award and Ali Sheedy from the Breakfast Club goes, why is he on the stage getting an award? Because he sexually assaulted her. So they didn't change. They did not change. But task, uh, not task and purpose, but uh, Town Hall summed it up. Remember, Oprah Winfrey is our premier national snake oil salesman. Large article breaking down this. No, no. And because the media is so all in, they've already done polls. And guess what, my friends? She'd lose to Biden and Bernie Sanders. People aren't stupid. They're just not stupid. Just because you love Oprah and she gives good speeches and she's black and she's gay and she's a woman, I think, doesn't make her qualify for president. So that's our before we close the loop. And now, let's close it.
13: It is great to have you with us here on a very busy Wednesday night. That major storm slamming into the east. The track now shifting, more snow, and we will show you in just a moment here. But first, the hurricane that blew through the West Wing today. Steve Bannon turning on this White House, turning on the president's family. President Trump's one-time chief strategist and close friend now calling that meeting at Trump Tower with Don Jr., Jared Kushner, and that Russian lawyer, quote, treasonous. Tonight, the president is now firing back. ABC senior White House correspondent Cecilia Vega leading us off.
20: Bannon gives credence to the special counsel's probe. This is all about money laundering, noting Manafort's indictments, arguing Robert Mueller is going after the president by zeroing in on some of those closest to him. This may be strategic by Bannon to try and demonstrate that he had no part in conduct that he may perceive as risky by other members of the Trump team. Fire and Fury, reportedly based on more than 200 interviews, many conducted inside the West Wing, also reignites questions about Mr. Trump's view of women, reportedly calling aide Hope Hicks a piece of tail in front of her. And using a vulgar expletive to describe Sally Yates, the acting attorney general who he would go on to fire.
9: And those who say, well, why are you raising Steve Bannon, calling him a hero? Absolutely no one is calling him a hero. If he said or did or has said offensive, misogynistic, racist things, he still has. They're still wildly offensive. But he was one of the most senior people in the White House, a close advisor to the president. And this book takes us inside. I've spoken to people inside the White House in the last 24 hours who've said, even if not all of it is true, the spirit of the book is, and it's troublesome, it's chaotic. In one passage, author Michael Wolf writes, quote, Trump didn't read, he didn't really even skim. If it was print, it might as well not exist. Some believe that for all practical purposes, he was no more than semi-literate. Others concluded that he didn't read because he didn't have to. And that, in fact, this was one of his key attributes as a populist. He was post-literate. Total television.
19: They all talk to him. It's like, why does anybody talk to Bob Woodward, right? I mean, <laughs> since, since Watergate. But they all talk to him, and they all think they're going to be the one that sort of gets yeah. it over on Woodward. They all, Everybody in the White House clearly thought they would be the ones to get it over on, on Michael Wolf, And, and of course, we, we know the result. It is, uh, uh, and every, I mean, just every page really rings true, doesn't it, Joe? I mean, doesn't it ring true to you? It does.
18: It really does, and there's so many things in the book, Heidi, that we've said on this show over the past several years, and people have been shocked and stunned and deeply saddened in the White House, and we have said those things, and they're just written out on the page, exactly how we said it. It's just, it's, it's just. I mean, this—he's been doing the same thing for a year and a half or two years, and the white house has been protesting and yet there it is all in black and white and nobody on the hill can come out and say it's a lie that spent any time with donald trump because it's not a lie There's,
5: it's it rings true michael wolf the author of fire and fury inside the trump white house is with us this morning good morning michael Good morning,
4: good morning. thank you for having me
5: a lot has happened since details of your book just came out uh... the president in say res- the least. <laughs> to say the least the president in response has felt the need to describe himself as a stable genius. Based on your reporting, are there people inside the White House talking about trying to remove him from office?
4: They're not talking about trying to remove him from office. They're wondering what's going to happen. Uh, the people in the White House are like everybody else in the country. What's going to happen here? We don't know from day to day. This is um, um, this is for them, as for everyone, an extraordinary experience. and. Um, and I think that they certainly question what's going to happen here like everybody else. There are many moments in which the twenty fifth amendment has come up the twenty fifth amendment in which which gives the cabinet the ability to remove the president and they don't say they don't say uh, the the cabinet is going to remove the president, but they do say things Things like, this is, well, this is a little 25th amendment here. here. Uh,
5: well, it's interesting because you say that Bannon was going around the White House saying that there was a 33% chance that the president would be in ch- impeached, a 33% chance that he would resign under threat of the 25th Amendment,
4: correct? Right. Right. And a 33 and a third percent chance that he would limp to the finish line, but a 0% chance that he would have another term
13: president trump yesterday uh said the book is a fake book he said you are totally discredited as an author is everything in the book true
4: everything in the book is true and your response to that um well i'm i'm waiting for a nickname you don't have one I, I, seem, yeah, have one I seem to have been. Where, where's, where's my nickname? Well, he
16: did call it a work of fiction. Stephen Miller continued that narrative over the weekend. There had been reports. I can, that you, I
4: can reliably say Donald Trump has never read a work of fiction. So, um,
16: One person who appears on almost every page of this book is Hope Hicks. In terms of what she saw and what she was aware of and participated in, how big of, a, of an impact would she have in the Mueller investigation if, in fact, she did cooperate with him? And how worried should the president be? I,
4: I, I think huge hope is at the center of this administration. I mean, one of the—I mean, she's really one of the curious figures. She really begins as something like an intern in the um, um, or a very low level. Um, person in the campaign and she actually she worked has, for Ivanka
5: Trump beforehand mm-hmm.
4: that's what she was Ivanka Trump right she, w- she was she was a fashion PR person um and um and then she was seconded to the campaign and she became very close to um uh the candidate and then very close to the president of the United States and now for all intent and purpose she is the president's senior most advisor.
5: Mm-hmm. Did you speak with any members of the president's cabinet for this book? I did not. You did not. I did not. And did you speak with the vice president? I did not. When was the last time you spoke with the president for this book?
4: You know, as I've said all along here, and the and the and the White House seems very focused on 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 this. And it's, I've spent about three hours talking to the president over the course of the of, of the campaign, the transition, and in the White House. But the. Um, The the, the important point I want to make is that this book is not about my impression of the president. I I came into this with no agenda. I continue to have no political agenda. Fair enough,
5: but it reads like a running narrative. Like, as you say, you were a semi-permanent spot. You were a fly on the wall in the White House. But it does also read like your main source is Steve Bannon. Would it be correct to sort of say that?
4: It would be not correct. He's a very large source here. But there are many, many, many. You, uh, two, there are two. But you, are have written, you have written, it's worse than anybody thought. Uh, it's worse than
5: anybody thought that he's mentally unstable, that he's, not, that he's an idiot.
4: Okay, and that's I didn't say, this isn't I did not say he's mentally unstable. I would not be qualified to do this. I'd say I have merely described, and mostly not, not my impressions, the impressions of other people, of the people he deals with. But the, with the president on the daily denies basis. he ever spoke
5: with you for this book at all.
4: Well, I I think he probably had no idea he was speaking to me for this book. When I would meet the president in, in the White House, we would... We would chat as though we were friends. Um, and, and that was but what that was. that's not that an was, interview to
5: greet someone and say hello. I mean, that's not a, that's not a journalistic exercise. Yeah, you said it's three hours. Hello. You'd spend three hours. Of- well,
4: I, uh, through the course of, uh, first, I have sat down with the president for uh, uh, an extended, extended periods of, of interviews. But there's other periods in which, in which and that's essentially what he's saying. They're, tr- they're trying to parse this and saying, oh, I didn't know that I was speaking to him when I saw him in the White House. Uh, as an as an just interview. to clarify
5: the white house says the last time they have a record of you meeting with president trump was february 2017 that's just barely 100 days into his presidency did you interview him after that date
4: did uh, let's let's separate this out i interviewed him at that point after that we would we would we would speak i'm sure he didn't think they were interviews and and in all fairness he might say i was not being interviewed
5: how much do you think things have changed since John Kelly became chief of
16: staff?
4: I think that they well, they've they've obviously changed a lot. There's there's um, um, Bannon's gone, M- um, Bannon's gone, Priebus gone, Spicer's gone. So the, most of the, your sources. <laughs> uh, so so the 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 core of Locked the of, of the of the White House of the of that first the first six months, the core of that staff is gone. So a lot has a lot has changed given the staffing of the White House. The thing that has not changed, of course, is Donald Trump.
5: Michael Wolf, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you. So I have tapes. I have notes. But if people um, are
16: questioning it, why not produce the evidence? Uh, hear, because because
4: that's not what, what I'm, not, I'm not in your business. I, my evidence is the book. Read the book. If it makes sense to you, if it strikes the if it rings true, it is true.
16: Michael Wolf, it is a fascinating book. Fire and Fury, as you can see. I did read it. Um, congratulations on the book, and uh, congratulations on the president hating it. Thank you. Appreciate your time. I want
4: to add you were pretty tough on the coverage of Donald Trump early in 2017. Here's something you wrote in 2017 in January. So said, to the media, it is a given that Trump is largely out of control and that the people around him are struggling at all times to save him from himself and largely failing. This view persists despite Trump's victory, flattening almost every media assumption about his supposed haplessness and lack of strategy. And you were just, you thought that the media was too one-sided or that was the impression you were giving. I have to say, when you read this book, you almost seem to reinforce the entire media narrative you were criticizing. You know, I think that in the beginning, the media took this point of view without having had this experience. Um, You know, I I went into this and... uh, a decent part of the country went into this. His entire staff went into this, thinking maybe this can work. Mm-hmm. It's different, even peculiar, but who knows what can happen here? And that was exactly my my frame of reference. I would have been delighted to have written a, a contrarian account here. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, the this this um, unexpected president, is mm-hmm. is actually going to succeed. Okay. That's not the story. He is not going to succeed. This is worse than everybody thought.
12: Within there, you can hear some good gems how Chuck Toad says, oh, yeah, this book's great because it fulfills what we think of him. Katie Turr was the best. Eric Wimple, Michael Wolf to Katie Turr. Fire and Fury, if it rings true, it's true. Jake Tapper, not a journalistic principle or even really a factual statement. MSNBC's Katie Turner welcomed fire and Fury author Michael Wolf to hear her show today, where she proceeded to grill him about the dubious nature of a lot of the details, uh, contained in uh, the book, We Kid, of course, Sarah Westwood. Now Michael Wolf is allowed to, is being allowed to speculate openly on whether he thinks Trump is an anti-Semite, sexist, or racist. Michael Wolf on MSDNC, Trump is sexist, racist, xenophobic, but Wolf insists he has no political agenda. If it rings true, it's true, was big. Yeah, that's the standard we want to promote. This is really great, guys. Ruthless Firefly says. And then Sarah Westward, Michael Wolf is telling Katie Tour that so-called errors in the book are kind of things you find in any book. Any book. Bette Midler posts pictures her and her swami rap slowly page turning. And then they show Wolf himself. These are actual quotes. He basically gets details wrong. Sloppy by Mike Allen. John Fedora it's Blythe Ignorance. May not be super reliable, Charlie May. Sloppy, Alyssa Camerata. A total set bag. and unprincipled writer of friction. Stephen Rather too stupid and malicious for words. Which, Larry, the author says he can't be sure if it's part of it or true, but its true business insider. Real factual errors make you wonder about the content. Brian Seltzer. A broader skepticism among journalists over the veracity of certain details. Michael Calderon. Why do I read that? That's all what they've said. But in that sound bite, you can't tell it. This book still leads. The media's getting off on it. Today's show's getting off on it. Brian Seltzer's getting off. Everybody's getting off. Maggie Haberman, a person that says it's wrong, literally said this. Even if some things are inaccurate flat out false, there's enough notionality accurate that people have difficulty knocking it down. Which relates to we don't like Trump, so we believe it. And what's the first thing Brian Seltzer tweeted? Justin Fire and Fury to be used at number one on the New York Times bestseller elect under non-fiction, somebody said. And of course, everybody's saying it's fiction. He literally said he never interviewed anybody. This is just a made-up book. And I'm not <laughs> defending Trump. What I'm defending is that under... Obama, the premise of doing a book like this was knocked out. You're a racist. It's all false. The dear one never does anything wrong. Who the fuck are you to say that about Obama? None of this got airtime. None of it. Hillary's booked. Clinton Cash. Did you see this much love? It's a lie. It's always a lie. When there's a sting operation into anything conservative, it's, and it's edited. You never hear it's edited. When we go out to Planned Parenthood, oh, that's just an edited, they they faked it, it's all bullshit. So that's theme two, the book. Theme three, and I said in 2017 this was a theme and it was going to continue. Yeah, here it is. Trump's mental.
3: I have a couple questions. I'll try to make these simple first.
12: Did the
21: president... You don't think I can handle the hard ones? <laughs>
20: Did the president's son, Donald Trump Jr., commit treason?
21: Uh, I think that is a ridiculous accusation and one that I'm pretty sure we've addressed many times from here before. Finally, John Decker. I can ask
20: you after the tweet about, the, about nuclear uh, threats, the nuclear button tweet. Should Americans be concerned about the president's mental fitness that he appears to be speaking so lightly about threats regarding the nuclear button?
21: I think the president uh, and the people of this country should be concerned about the mental fitness of the leader of North Korea. He's made repeated threats. Uh, he's tested missiles uh, time and time again for years, and this is a president who's not going to cower down. In the
7: past day or so, we've seen President Trump attack the press, the Justice Department, and now his former ally, Steve Bannon. By attacking
15: critics and in key institutions in our democracy, isn't the president engaging in authoritarian behavior?
21: Not at all. The President's simply responding uh, often to news of the day. I think if uh, the president can't as- respond aggressively to an individual like the leader of North Korea that continues to threaten Americans, uh, then that's a dangerous place that we don't want to go down.
7: Oh, you and the president calls for Sorry, critics to be fired from their jobs.
16: That's not the president of North Korea. On this uh, interesting thought from Donald Trump about the size of, of his nuclear button and uh, the threat that he just put up against the North Korean leader. Your thoughts?
7: As we saw all through 2017, men with profound sexual insecurity can wreak a lot of havoc in the lives of women, in the lives of their families. Um, but perhaps never have we seen a man whose profound uh, sexual and masculine insecurities are literally threatening to annihilate. The planet. I mean, the way he's literally capitalizing in that tweet his nuclear button. Um, I mean, any psychiatrist or psychologist would have a field day with that, but we all live in a world that could literally be ended uh, in terms of a habitable planet because well, of the sad man's insecurity.
14: I'm wondering how then Democrats.
16: Are supposed to. So uh, Michael Wolf's book, much of which has not been confirmed, we should note, by NBC News, also alleges that senior staffers at the White House have low opinions of the president's intelligence. There are many creative words. Quote Trump didn't read. He didn't really even skim. If it was print, it might as well not exist. Some believed that for all practical purposes, he was no more than semi literate, purporting to represent the views of Gary Cohn. And quite succinctly summarizing the appalled sense in much of the White House. This is what the email said, quote, it's worse than you can imagine. An idiot surrounded by clowns. Trump won't read anything. Not one page memos, not the brief policy papers, nothing. I am in a constant state of shock and horror. A senior White House official tells NBC News that Cohn never wrote such an email and claims about his thinking in the book are 100% untrue. Joe?
18: yeah, Which, which of course, they would say um, (laughs)
12: 100% untrue. Not not 57% untrue, but there's literally nothing that is attributed to Gary Cohn in this book that he feels. In fact, he feels exactly the opposite. His love for the president is
20: entire and pure.
18: Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> Megan, I, I, the, the, he doesn't read. He didn't read. I remember one time in a, uh, let's just say a tense uh, a, a meeting with Donald Trump, I actually after, I think it was the, the, right after the first debate, I said, uh, and of course we disagreed on his performance, I thought it was horrible, he thought it was the greatest debate performance ever. I said, Donald, let me ask you a question. Do you read? Do you read? And he just stared back at me and made me a little nervous uh, for me to be insulting this guy. I go, "Do you read?" If somebody, and, and this is verbatim, if somebody wrote you a one-page memo and and, and wrote a one-page memo for every issue, <clears throat> could you read it? And he lifted up his Bible, his childhood Bible. He goes, "Of course, I read." Uh, that was the wrong book for him to hold up to say he read it. But there there has been a question whether this guy can read, whether he does read. Uh, and inside the White House, again, we've all heard these complaints. He refuses to read anything. He gets bored uh, after about 15 seconds of even people talking to him.
5: Well, a little bit of a palace intrigue about that Gary Cohn memo that Casey was just discussing. It was purportedly described as an email from Gary Cohn to his former boss, Lloyd Blankfein, the chief executive of Goldman Sachs. And that's what's caused a lot of consternation inside Goldman Sachs as well, with people pushing back and saying Gary would have never written that kind of email. Gary and Lloyd aren't in communications. They certainly aren't email buddies. But the main point is the same, which is that these are the kind of things you're hearing, regardless of whether every single allegation, every single piece of information, is in fact true was said is an accurate quote the question of whether he reads the question of how engaged she is the question of what his family members are doing the question of what they know when they make these kind of statements these kind of tweets this is incredibly serious stuff is this President, uh, what is the evidence, if any, that he could be dyslexic and because of his personality is not willing to admit that, is not willing to acknowledge something that Nelson Rockefeller, uh, former Treasury Secretary Nick Brady, a lot of leaders have had this reading problem.
4: Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if he's dyslexic because he he doesn't talk about these these kinds of things. And it's just the the speculation of the people around him, the the literal question, why doesn't he read? Um, You know, I... I, um, I, I once I once asked him I said well, you know it's a kind of presidential question what's your favorite book um and I saw the the look on his eye was you know first kind of um, um a little bit of panic and then a little bit of okay you got me um and then he came back with, and, and you knew that he reached back into, um, into his sophomore year in high school, a book he probably didn't even read then. But there he was, he said, all quiet on the Western Front.
15: Wow, that hasn't been on reading, book, reading lists. And- the tiptoeing is over. The whispers are turning into shouts. President Trump's fitness for office is now the top story in the country. Reporters and some lawmakers are openly talking about the president's mental stability, his health, his competency. Now, partly that is because of this new Michael Wolff book. You know, Wolff claims that White House aides are united in the belief that Trump is incapable of being president. But, and here is the but, journalists are not judges or doctors. This is not a court or a hospital. What this moment needs from reporters is more reporting not more speculating or guessing or rumor mongering but more real reporting of what's going on are we
3: in a constitutional crisis speaker ryan uh... leader uh... mcconnell these are unprecedented questions in terms of how we pose them what we do as reporters we are not advocates here we are not psychiatrists we are reporters And now we have to almost invent a new kind of reporting to cover a new kind of story. And the reporters
9: best in place to do that are some great reporters. Is it time to ask more of our potential commanders and chiefs to put into law what they tell us about their health? We need stamina. After Fitness to Serve became a closing argument in his campaign. She can't make it 15 feet to her car. Donald Trump will go to Walter Reed for a physical evaluation on Friday. Give me a break. Amid new concern over the president's stability. She could be crazy. She could actually be crazy. After a shocking week with tweets about nuclear war. Comparing the size of his nuclear button with the dictator of North Korea. His mental abilities. Genius. A very stable genius at that. And devastating claims denied by the White House.
16: Trump failed to recognize a succession of old friends. President Trump's age.
7: At age 70. You'll be the oldest person to ever enter
2: the Oval Office.
9: And diet of fast food were raised during the campaign.
2: Kentucky fried chicken, not the worst thing in the world.
9: And besides some additional details, the candidate only provided a letter with his doctor's bizarre claims unequivocally Mm -hmm. will be the healthiest individual Mm -hmm. ever elected, which even the doctor would distance himself from.
15: Is that the way that you write most of your medical letters? No, but for Mr. Trump, I wrote that letter that
9: Recent presidents and candidates have released certain health records, but like tax returns, there is no law formally mandating disclosure. Presidents from FDR to JFK to Reagan have told the public only what they wanted them to know about their health. And with Democrats who will be in their early to late 70s if they run in three years?
20: Harry Reid referred to the potential Democratic 2020 president field as an old folks home
9: now may be the time to formally establish what we should know about the health of our president and presidential candidates
12: she could be crazy she could have- never stops and you know when they're just making it up or they're using it as a political argument this is about the president's fitness it's uncomfortable but it's incumbent on journalists to ask these questions that's brian seltzer since the week since i've done a podcast Psychiatrists tell Dem Congress Trump is losing grip on reality. That's Jake Tapper. It's like they were told to tweet this shit. Brian Seltzer all week tweeted stuff. All week. It never stopped. Fears of the President's Trump's competency are coming to the forefront. Mental fitness has come up at a White House briefing. We've asked questions about Trump's mental health two days in a row. Something serious is going on here. This is classic. The media decided to ask questions about competency over and over. Then the media says, look, it's a big story. See how many times we ask questions about it. Politico, lawmakers concerned that Trump's mental health invited a Yale psychiatrist to talk. CNN Situation Room, Situation Room, spent 20 minutes insinuating. Trump is mentally ill. Atlantic magazine editor wants Trump brain examined by a committee. And then there's this gem by Byron York. Yale psychiatrist, Brief Hill Dems, wants to physically restrain President Trump, force him to submit to valuation, declare him unfit for office, but she worries this will really look like a coup. You think? Robbie Starbuck. Oh, my God, these people are insane. The Democratic representatives who met with this lunatic should be absolutely ashamed. This kind of talk is unhinged and probably a good sign this doctor is the one in need of mental health evaluation. Another, I recall the communists were always very keen to declare the critics mental cases and jab them in the neck with sedatives. Jennifer Rubin, we have... What we have is a type of coup in which the great leader is disabled. He propped up, sent to read lines written by others and kept safely away from disaster situation. This is not how our system works. Remember, she's supposed to be a conservative. These are the articles that are out there. Warren's tribe pushing over and over 25th Amendment. But Molly heading me away, large article, not going to read it because I have a very long podcast today. Treat mental health talk against Trump like the coup attempt it is. Many lawmaker lawyers, groups have actually volunteered on their own to file for a court paper to ensure that the security staff will cooperate us. But we have declined since this has really looked like a coup. It is a coup. And she breaks it down. It is in the Atlantic. Everyone is doing it. And while they're doing that, Judd Apto, please shut the fuck up. Please, for once in your life, shut the fuck up. We all need one moment of peace, you spoiled, self-involved idiot. Take a nap. Change your sheets. Eat a non-poison Big Mac. Just take a fucking break for a moment. Give us a gift. We should all be filling filing the offices of our legislators and calling nonstop today demanding his mentally ill president be removed yeah that's what they're doing and by no by no chance am I doing this because I think Trump's the most fit great president in the world I'm just saying, It's non-stop. It's been non-stop to November 9th, 2016, folks. The same storylines. When Russia doesn't work, they go to mentally ill, racist, xenophobe. This kind of conduct under any other president, especially if they had a D behind their name, would be un-American. Our media's part of it. The media is leading the charge. That that's that's where we're at. To the California from last podcast, he's going out there, but um, he's going to be looking at the wall, which I thought was a nice, a nice thing. To Iran, uh, these are the shit that I'll just do one thread. Linda Sossar. says Liz Wheeler is concerned about the courageous women around. Let's see how where she will be in 2018, protecting the rights of her fellow American women to choose for their own bodies. At least Wheeler are concerned with safety of Iranian women, protesters, but supports Trump was ban Iranians, blah, blah, blah. Rogueland Muslim women executed and raped in mass burma, not a peep out of conservative American women. Now they will open arms on Iran. Select outrage is not a good look. And then everybody showed her articles they did on the exact same thing, including Liz Wheeler. And Mary Elizabeth. And then she spouted off all sorts of false shit. Stephen Miller. Called her to task. And then Matt Dowd got in. Because I do the Dowd moment, but I'm not going to. I'm wondering how many folks are aware that the money the U.S. sent to Iran as part of a nuclear deal was actually Iran's assets to begin with. It was their own money we returned. It wasn't taxpayer money. Is that so? Not everybody remembers it that way. Because it's not so. Oh my, Sarin, who's an Iranian. I think he know, because he's American, but he came from Iran. Totally false. Ransom to Iran was taxpayer money. Originally, account had been cleaned out years before. Two, per American courts, it wasn't Iran's money, but belonged to American victims of Iran terrorism. There's no debate in this. You're just wrong. But they're pushing it. He's a reporter. He's pushing it. People even gave cases. Brush up on Bank Markaz versus Peterson. That was a payoff. It went to terrorism. It'll kill Americans. But the media still today, because Obama did it, support us handing billions of dollars to Iran to formulate a deal that's not going to stop them from making nukes. To Russia, Russia, Russia. Professional stylist Katie Price, who previously worked as a hair and makeup artist for Russia Today, is now a full-time White House official. Her daily duties included getting Press Secretary Sarah Sanders coiffed and camera ready. You see what they did there? Yeah. So we can't get Russia to Russia. So now, anybody that has links to Russia, we're going to still use that to disparage the administration. So some lady... Who worked at Russia Today, a news agency. That's your Russia, Russia, Russia? Are you serious? That's what you're going with? Because they don't want to cover this. FBI launches new Clinton Foundation investigation. Senate Judiciary Boss says Comey leaked classified information. Didn't we fucking say that? Yeah. Do you remember that? We all said it. It, another list came out. The, uh, was it, eight? Eight things they botched on Russia. It's like the last one. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read that, but that, that... Folks, we're covering hair stylists. That is more important than actual Russia stuff. And do you notice, I mean, does anybody notice how the FBI... Two FBI agents in a relationship which was against their past, their, uh, their policy. Talking about threatening the president's life, theoretically. Because that's how it would have been interpreted if it was Obama. We don't even hear about that. Just buried. Doesn't matter. Not important. So there's your Russia, Russia. Antifa. Representative Keith Ellison at Moon Place Book. Moon Palace, excuse me, books. And I just found the book that strikes fear in the heart of real Donald Trump. The Antifa Handbook. The one written by the professor we covered on the show. Newsweek even took up for him. A Keith Ellison tweet mentioning Antifa spurred an Islamophobic backlash across the alt-right. Because we say a Muslim senator who is... Basically supporting a terrorist organization is wrong. We're Islamophobes. Hmm. I don't care if Keith Ellison is a fucking Wiccan. He's a piece of shit. Harry Kachatrian. This Newsweek article is literally citing the comments section on Gateway Pundit and Infowars. That's the alt-right they're speaking about. But see, because the left is so good that they demean and label people that don't agree with them, and it gets out there and they spin it, and American people think the alt-right is this evil thing, and it's Fox News, it's Town Hall, it's me. Nobody's going to research to find nobody's being Islamophobic. It was probably dudes like me going on there. It doesn't surprise me with just like him. Remember, if you call somebody Islamofascist, you're Islamophobic. Alex Griswold sums that up, and we'll go on our tweets of the day. I mean, let that sink in. The author went to alt-right websites and still couldn't find racist articles attacking Keith Ellison and had to take it a step further. That's how much of a stretch his cute little theses is. Folks, that is the stretch we've been making since November 9th, 2016 on every subject! the day is by Jason Smith. Deep thoughts from millennials. A almost dead battery symbol, a booting up video symbol, and no Wi-Fi symbol. (laughs) The other one is this cold snap is really getting to some people. Take Norfolk, Virginia news anchor, Blaine Stewart, who is gay, for example update get ready for a pounding some of us could see eight inches or more that's too much even for me he actually put it out there our rb pundit said is there such thing as gay privilege because this would be gay privilege to be able to get away with it and he did get away with it he wasn't reprimanded but if anybody else said that me too hashtag would come up sarah sanders our next Democrats' worst fear is successful Trump presidency, which is why they att- their attacks are grown increasingly desperate after major victories for Trump admin on tax cuts. Obamacare, mandate, repeal, judge and against ISIS, judges and against ISIS, economy's moving, and 2018 would be a great year for America. Here's what people said. My God, would you stop with the nonstop lies and retreat propaganda for just one day? It's Sunday. Shouldn't you be a church or repenting? Tony Pozansky, no, I think Democrats' worst fear is a stable genius getting us into a nuclear war to prove his button is bigger than everyone else, and of course, everybody went down, so I'm not going to get into the shit, but our best one, despite Nancy Pelosi's warning of Armageddon, the Trump economy is booming. It turns out the businessman knows more about the economy really working than chattering class, real, clear politics. The real, the world economy is strong today, as it has been in at least a decade. The Wall Street Journal recently reported now the left has to engage in logical contortions to explain how the red-hot American economy is really a result of Obama policies, every which one Trump has systematically been dismantling. As I've acknowledged many times, the roaring stock market and the surging rate of growth of the economy, which is now estimated 3.5%, up from 1.6 in Obama, could turn against Trump in the months and years to come. It's quite possible that market exuberance over Trump's deregulation and tax cut policies have run too far ahead. But for now, it's going great. And that, my friends, is the tweet of the day.
1: The
18: The good news is that I think we're at a watershed moment and it's about time. There are many to thank for that, but tonight belongs to Meryl Streep. Meryl, thank you for speaking out on matters of conscience that affect all of us. Thank you for being an actress who plays the most interesting characters with full commitment and without judgment. You show us their heroism as well as their imperfections. And I know that's a stretch for you because Merrill doesn't seem to have any imperfections. And I say that with the most love for you, Merrill. I love you so much. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, the National
22: Board of Review, best actress, let us speak.
7: Thank you.
12: I had a hard time of where I was going to put that in the podcast because really it's hypocrisy. Because if anybody did that under Obama, you were racist, xenophobe, Islamophobe, phobiphobe. But De Niro's been doing it regularly, and the media loves it. They put it out. It's on banners. It's on the scroller. Anybody who dogs Trump is a great human being. It must be lauded. And of course, then we have Chelsea Handler. That must be why it's easier to buy a gun in some of these states than it is to vote. But you have, you love guns and don't want any black people to vote, so that's a double win for you. Put that on your vision board. Someone needs to perform a welfare check on Chelsea. There was a theme this week that somehow the right is trying to stop black people from getting guns. VP Pence, talking with Dana Loesch about POTUS, Trump's first year, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, Shannon Watts was triggered by this. Unbelievable. The VP is tweeting about being interviewed by the NRA lobbyist, vice president to appear on a show of NRA lobbyists with a history of racism and bigotry and who has threatened the media and harassed gun violence survivors. None of that's true. People said, More lives for Watts. None of these things are true, Shannon. I despise this woman and all she stands for. She incites and encourages violence methodically, it was her reply. NRA TV. Our nation's police officers put their lives on the line every day to protect those in need, including the ignorant and ungrateful who direct criticism toward the entire profession. Stand with us. With us help us. Hashtag Black Our Blue. Back Our Blue. Hashtag Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. So Shannon Watts, who will go with anything that's intersectionality, goes off on it. In this video, the NRA alleges that Beyonce, Al Sharpton, and Black Lives Matter don't support police. Yet NRA lobbyists are responsible for making police vulnerable to shooting deaths via weak gun laws. Many of the gun laws the NRA supports are opposed by the police. To the article that rebutes this. Oh, Shannon, you're so wrong. Let's break this down for you. Cede- celebrities like Al Sharpton and movement like BLM do not support our law enforcement officers of anything they encourage violence against them. What weak lung gun laws you're referring to? The only weak law that currently in place is the N.I.B.C.S. Nix. And guess what? The NRA backed Senator John Cornyn's from Texas bill that would fix NICS. That bill would force agencies and states to report their crimes to the FBI. That means that criminals can no longer buy guns. Three, the very organization of first bought, brought up having NICS was the NRA. Four, at least if you're going to make stupid claims, can you please get your facts straight? Five. And finally, be more tactful. Today's about remembering those men and women who lost their lives in the line of duty. Today's about celebrating those va- brave individuals who put on that uniform every single day. They risk their lives for our safety. The last thing they want or need is for people like you to use them to push your political agenda. Thankfully, Second Amendment advocates shut down Watts' logic, or lack thereof, pretty quick. And the only one I'm going to read is hundreds. Criminals don't follow the rules. You'll never be able to get guns out of the hands of criminals. You're not going to try and tell me that if they pass some gun ban, it's going to make me safer. The government can't even control immigration laws as they are. You are delusional. And she's right. So even on a day to recognize law enforcement, Shannon wants us to shit on it and actually make the argument that BLM and Al Sharpton support the police. Barack Obama, Eric Holder... Al Sharpton, Beyonce, Jay-Z, everybody in Hollywood, hate the police. Even though Al Roker tweeted during the Golden Globes, there were five security checks with armed men to get in there. Those people who are so against guns were ringed with guns and were thankful for the protection. They'll never say it. That's the hypocrisy. Chelsea Manning, or Bradley Manning, the traitor, fuck the police. Disarm the police. We got this. Hashtag Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. On the same thread, Shannon Watts is saying BLM supports the police. Yeah. Chris Evans, Captain America. I've never read a tweet by him. I'm beginning to think the movie Human Centipede was more prescient than it was given credit for its foreshadowing of the putin trump Stephen Miller garbage train. Never watched his movies. Won't be now. Today's show, fire crews are responding to a fire at Trump Tower. There have been no injuries or evacuation and the president is not currently at Trump Tower. What do you think the tweets were? I don't need to read them. You're smart enough to figure it out. But the tolerant left gets away with it. If you said it about anybody with a D behind your name, you would be an ist or an obe. Gene L. This is our big hate. Tweets. Protest out Twitter in San Francisco urging company to disable President Trump's account. This is still going on. They say he threatened nuclear war. Ezra Klein. Does increasing the risk of nuclear war violate the Twitter term of service? Will Selliton. To all you members of Congress who wish you could stop Trump from tweeting, you can't. But you can stop him from tweeting as the President of the United States. Tourade. All signs point to no. There's a movement. It was started by Brian Fallon and all the little toadies, blue check reporters, went off this tweet. Hey Jack, it's time to kick Trump off website. Jacks the guy who runs Twitter now. Yeah. That that's where we're at. They're still trying to get him off Twitter. For what? Twitter has become something that I only use to say I have a new podcast. I don't tweet a lot anymore. Because every time a conservative tweets, they get blocked or banned. Every time a Democrat says, Go fuck yourself, kill yourself, President Trump, nothing happens to those accounts. They're just told to delete the tweet. That's it. So Ivanka decided to tweet, just saw Oprah's empowering, inspiring speech at last night's Golden Globes. Let's all come together. Women and men say time's up. Alyssa Milano went the other direction. Great. You can make a lofty donation to Time's Up Legal Defense Fund that is available to support your father. Oh, Alyssa, this was so petty and small. So much for unity. Somebody asked, Melissa, are the funds available to Juanita Broderick, Kathleen Wiley, Kathy Shelton, Paula Jones, or only to people who accuse someone on the right? Another tweet. Wow, why attack Ivanka Trump, Alyssa Milano? Do you act like this people to, like this to people in person? Maybe your family can explain to you. They're not responsible for what anyone claims you might have done in your past. But that's that's the tolerant left. They can get away from. They can just get get away with it. Another hate tweet. I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to cover the subject. Oregonians have to pump their gas. A lot of funny shit out there. People showing them just losing their goddamn minds. One tweet I will read. Mike Perone. I've lived in this state all my life and I refuse to pump my own gas. I had to do it once in California while visiting my brother and almost died doing it. This is service only qualified people should perform. I will literally spark. I will literally park at the pump and wait until someone pumps my gas. I can't even. A picture, two day, day two of Oregon pumping their own gas, a forest fire. Leslie Hollywood. I'm in Colorado where we are forced to pump our own gas because I'm worried about my children being left in the car while I stand outside of it in my skirt. I just pay the transients to pump it for me. This way we're all safe and the transients are distracted from, bother, from bothering those who are pumping their own gas. That is a real tweet. People are serious there. That's how entitled the the left is. A prog state like Oregon. Hundreds of people on Twitter complaining because they have to pump their own gas because that's beneath them. Beneath them. They're so educated. They're such smart people. Another hate tweet came from Megan Reynolds. What will we wear for the resistance? They have... Woke lip with fuck Hollywood, fuck Trump. Witchy shit. Yeah, witchy shit. Supposed to I guess Wiccans are really into this stuff. Sloganization of Elizabeth Warren wearing t shirts with her shit on it. Yeah. That that's stuff we like to do. New York Times opinion piece. Did you vote for Trump? We'd like to hear from you. They're still trying it. The left lost it. Matt Inglesi, a good leader of the left, he's a reporter. My God. This is like crack for them. They just can't quit. Man, i love to see a story about some of the 65 million who voted for Hillary who are of the we fucking told you or he's worse than imagined persuasion. That individual doesn't watch the news, I guess, because it's too right-wing for them. ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN's right-wing. They support Trump every day. Yeah. Okay. And it closes with, oh my God, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up, with a bunch of middle fingers, because that pretty much sums up the morale of the left right now, because he's still in office. And they're not happy. To our hypocrisy, and it's going to be a long one today. I want to cover how I pick bias. Bias by selection or omission. One way to spot liberal media bias in the news is by noting that information is included and what information is left out. This may also include an examination of equivalent coverage and lack of time given to opposing views. For example... When big-time Hollywood producer, liberal mega-donor, and alleged serial sex offender Harvey Weinstein was going to be exposed in 2004, New York Times expose, the Times gutted the piece, thereby omitting potential wrongdoing to save one of their own. That's omission. Bias by language. The liberal media also manipulates the news by using loaded language, by using certain language and prohibiting other words. The leftist media can insert their own political perspective in the news. For example... Associated Press twenty seventeen guidelines, we covered it. Prohibit pro-life, migrant, refugee, Islamist, terrorist. Can't even say terrorist anymore. I guess armed vigilante. Bias by source. Another method national news media frequently uses spread their bias by using biased liberal sources. CBS blamed climate change for Hurricane Harvey and Irma using Rice University professor Jim Blackburn as a source. However, Blackburn is a noted climate alarmist and not a neutral source. Bias by publisher, media outlet, or funding sources. Another aspect of bias that should be taken into consideration is that the majority of America's major news outlets are controlled by a handful of people. Roughly 15 people own every major newspaper outlet in the country and their own biases are routinely expressed. CNN CEO and president is Jeff Zucker, a businessman noted for his liberal stance, including his vocal support of Obama. The programming on CNN frequently reflects his positions. Yeah. There we are. And we begin showing it. Matthew Dowd and independent on ABC. Fact, the NRA and Dana Loach do not speak for the vast majority of Americans, nor for the majority of us gun owners. They speak only for a segment of the GOP which is afraid of their fictional power. Everybody destroyed them, over and over. That's outright activism. Dana Loach even showed him all the bullshit. He did a tweet in here. Tell me when you last got a, okay, it's a million strong membership, Matthew. I hope this means you'll stop sending me self-promotional mass emailings about your columns. He says, tell me when you last got one of those columns by email. Also, maybe I should just send you copies of the gospel so you can actually are aware of Jesus' message was, love your enemies. Dana Loesch, sorry you're obviously having a bad day, but it's no reason to be nasty to people. And she shows him a print screen of like a hundred of his promotional columns. He responds. How was I nasty Dana? So you haven't gotten one of my columns in four months. That was my point. And you might check your videos and Twitter comments. About the definition of nasty. That's that's a fucking news person. Maggie Lieber. Hits the most important part in that. Lately, seeing a lot of anti-gun rights people like Matthew Dowd suddenly coming out as a gun owner in an attempt to increase their cred. When did Matt Dowd buy a weapon? I will bet you, as sure as I'm a fat guy, he doesn't. Then we have Jim Acosta. Sad that press secretary starting New Year like must have last. Afraid to ask questions of CNN. He was upset this week because of the, the, sh- the shithole. He was upset about not being called on, which why would they? Joe Walsh nails him. Maybe if you stop acting like a petulant child, you're calling you. Just a thought, Acosta. Then he was upset that Trump came in the briefing room but didn't actually do anything. Katie Turra was upset. Brian Seltzer was upset. And by the end of the week, CNN names Jim Acosta the White House correspondent. Chief White House Correspondent. Steve Deese. He's a self-aggrandizing hacktivist who even remotely serious about journalism, unless your journalism is now defined as the comment sections on Salon. Yeah. That's an activist. And now he's the chief White House correspondent. How many sound bites do I play a week folks then there's this journalist group gives Trump award for undermining global press freedom he was the number one over real dictators dictators people who have executed journalists he's the number one oppressor of free media that there's no bias here though And then there's the Post, the Post, a movie about taking down a president of the United States. Here is the coverage from just two sources. Tell me this isn't them looking, oh, maybe we can do this to Trump. The movie is getting
5: great reviews, and for something that took place 45 years ago, it feels like it could have been ripped right out of a newspaper today. Very timely. Is that what drew you to
23: it, Meryl? Well, I think that that is certainly what drew Steven Spielberg to it. He he felt the impetus of the moment, that uh, at this particular time, we're seeing that our press is under siege, and uh, just even the notion of what the truth is. How much we really do depend on the First Amendment and the freedom and um, independence of the press.
24: This week in 1971 dealt with uh, uh, an administration that wanted to keep it secrets. (laughs) They did did not want their lies to become uh, printed in the press and part of the record. Uh, we're still very much dealing. They were dealing with the legacy of Vietnam as of 1971 that went back prior to World War II, and it also deals with the fact that Kay Graham became Kay, Kay Graham, a woman who had only been either the daughter or the wife of the people who were in power becomes the person in power. So, in a weird way, we kind of hit the 2018 trifecta by way of this movie.
5: <laughs> it definitely raises a lot of issues that are very timely and very relevant congratulations to all Thanks. of you on the post as i said for
23: journalism geeks such as myself <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very enjoyable let me ask you about the triumph of truth that your movie the post pays homage to in our era of fake news alternative facts how important is that do you think for you both i think the press is under siege globally and and. We've seen so many uh, journalists jailed in exponentially greater numbers now. Part of that feels like uh, some kind of permission issued tacitly by the United States. that says, you know, might makes right. If you want to shut it down, shut it down. What does it mean to you, the, the sanctity, the ability of a free and independent press to operate unhindered?
24: I always go back to what Daniel Moynihan said, that you are entitled to your own opinions, but you are not entitled to your own facts. What tyrants do, I, I study history, I read it for pleasure. What tyrants have d- done, back to the point where they were imprinting clay tablets with hieroglyphics, were <laughs> to manipulate the truth. <clears throat> to denigrate the the in this case, let's move it up to fast forward. Tyrants number one want to denigrate the people that go about the, the fourth estate, uh, the the journalists who go out and try to determine what the truth is. And in the United States of America, by and large, have the uh, have the, the 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 functionality in order to make sure that you don't print it until it is confirmed. Tyrants first of all want to delegitimize any effort in order to do that mm-hmm. and say no no no. Mm-hmm. We have the truth and so we have to believe us. A freedom of a press, a journalist in order to go forward and put the uh, put the record straight. This is what our, this is what has made America America. And to have any sort of uh uh guerrilla war uh being placed against people whose job is to go off and find a truth is a threat to us all.
12: Yeah. That that is pretty much Journalists getting excited thinking they could pull off what they pulled off on Nixon. Which, remember what I've said on this show a billion times. If Nixon was a Democrat, he never would have been impeached. It never would have happened. Democrats don't impeach themselves. They don't resign. They don't step down. They they just buck the system because they have a very helpful mouthpiece, which is the media, that supports them on anything. Shy of taking a baby panda out in a parking lot and killing them, Obama... Got away with murder. But my centerpiece, before we get into a big Jake Tapper kerfuffle, this is how the media acted over Oprah. A lot of CNN in here. This is Oprah. This is our media doing what they did for Hillary Clinton, doing what they did for Obama, doing what they did for Clinton back in the day. Citing for a Candidate.
14: Oprah is very keenly aware of moments. She was getting the Cecil B. DeMille Award last night. She played upon the moment. She understands those moments are history-making. She wasn't just going to walk out there and just say something, you know, like when she was at the Oscars. She makes sure she stands at the moment and her words are strategic and they reverberate. That was a soaring speech. It was a very presidential speech. It was a speech that that grabbed the entire crowd, black, white, uh, Jew, Gentile, Protestant, Catholic, men and women. And she she was soaring and she, she saw the moment as the problem. She saw the victim. She saw the possibilities of hope and a better day. And she used herself as also an example, talking about her mother was a victim, so she was every person in this, and this is what is lacking I guess in the last year, and people stood up because they felt it again, and those moments aren 't wasted on an Oprah Winfrey Oprah Winfrey has a moment that really could catapult her into the stratosphere of politics this is it 's not this is one of those defining moments she makes moments everywhere, but this is one of those moments that could be her defining moment to possibly run for president. We're not just looking for a politician. We're looking for a rock star. Once Barack Obama left, I knew there was going to be a rock star cuz no one else could fill the the position. We're not just looking for a politician. We're looking for someone who's got that it factor oprah has that it factor and we've we've spun out of politics and now we're looking for excitement as well as our politics and so we have to remember that the goalpost has been forever moved so it's not just about a politician These standard politicians have to bring something else to the table for people to say wow i'm gonna throw it all behind you and stand by you be <laughs> right or die after
9: oprah's speech oprah 2020 as you said george trending on twitter and overnight her longtime partner stedman graham saying A presidential run is a possibility, telling the L.A. Times, and I quote, it's up to the people, but she would absolutely do it. I can tell you both, after that speech, she had quite a few people in that room saying they sure did like the sound of President Winfrey. Oprah
15: 2020, it was all over Twitter last night after that speech. She says she's not interested at all, but if she were to get in, The next day, she'd probably be leading the fight for the Democratic nomination.
4: She'd be leading the Democratic ticket. And I've I've learned in the last 18 months, two years, never to discount anything and anybody running in this. I think Oprah has to decide where her power is, president or as a pastor of the country.
10: I think the 2020 presidential campaign actually began yesterday. The idea, I mean, we've elected a reality television star now. I mean, why is this out of the question? She's richer than he is. She's a better TV star than he is. And she knows the American public.
9: All of Hollywood inspired by her words. There is a movement of foot back here. Oprah
23: 2020 I'm not kidding I am all about Oprah 2020
17: Honestly, President Winfrey is just it sounds good it just, just rolls right off, off the tongue
15: Winfrey's
8: comments earning several standing oh ovations guys. the all-star so crowd pretty. captivated by her poignant message of female empowerment a speech so inspiring many now calling for Winfrey to add yet another title in front of her name President with Oprah 2020 trending on Twitter overnight. Uh, Actor Ben Platt, if you need me for the next two years,
4: I'll be drafting tweets in support of Oprah's 2020 presidential campaign. Saw a lot of those comments about her running for office.
5: And Kevin, we have to talk about Oprah's speech because there was a lot of reaction that she may run for president in 2020.
20: Well, Nora, I was back in the one-on-one rooms while the speech was going on, and I will tell you this, everyone was mesmerized. Allison Janney, named Best Supporting Actress as the abusive mother in Itania admitted she was getting swept
2: up in Oprah for President Fever.
23: I certainly would vote for her, uh,
5: hands down. I would do anything for her. But that speech last night was not only empowering and inspirational, but I thought it also echoed a lot Hillary Clinton's concession speech in 2016, which she said to all the girls watching out there. It was a hopeful speech, and it was also
16: a historical speech, too. Yeah, I tweeted last night. It was like five minutes of desperately needed things.
1: The new day is on the horizon.
3: This is new day with Chris Cuomo and Allison Camarota
13: Now that Oprah has been inserted into the 2020 thing, does that mean we can't use her with that great sell line for our show?
0: No, I think we can use her. That needs to be part of our branding until she formally announces it.
13: Then it's got to go. But it's too bad because, you know, it's a big reason we named the show New Day because that hope of tomorrow.
7: Yes, it's on the horizon.
13: Good evening. We welcome the challenge, whether it's Oprah Winfrey or anybody else. That was the reaction from the White House today after a widely discussed speech at the Golden Globes last night. Winfrey did nothing to dissuade presidential talk. In fact, her longtime partner seemed to encourage it. With more on this potential matchup in 2020, we begin tonight with Nancy Cordes.
6: To the casual observer, the speech was vintage Winfrey, an emotional commentary on sexual harassment.
14: For too long, women have not been heard or believed if they dared to speak their truth to the power of those men but their time is up but fans thought they heard something more the crescendo of a campaign address so i want all the girls watching here and now to know that a new day is on the horizon
6: The Internet lit up, and her longtime partner, Stedman Graham, added fuel to the fire, telling the L.A. Times that Winfrey would absolutely run for president if the people want her to. A notable shift from
1: last...
19: Well, the question is, does she want to be demoted from queen of the universe to president of the United States? That's the only question. If she (laughs) wants to do it, she can do it. Uh, She is probably the most beloved human being on Earth. She's probably the most beloved carbon based life form on Earth. She could, if she runs, she will destroy anybody in front of her. The question is, does she want to do it? Um, I've talked to a lot of people who are are close to her, who are around her. There's basically, you know, bedlam in Oprah land right now as people, you know, (laughs) people are begging her, please run, please run, please run. Uh, But she's given no indication uh, that she has moved off of, of her position, that she doesn't want to do it. I will say that speech last night was extraordinary. That speech she, she she did in nine minutes what Barack Obama did in seventeen minutes in two thousand four she she told her story she told the American story in a way that just was electrifying uh, if she she if she decides to do this it is going to be one of the most extraordinary runs
12: now you probably think why did you do it in this section when you could have done it when you were talking about Oprah Tony because that is just perfect hypocrisy when when um. Oh, my brain dislocked. When Clint Eastwood came out for Romney, Clint Eastwood is a huge star with more than just the left. He's a crossover. Everybody likes Clint Eastwood. When he did the empty chair, do you remember how he was treated? When he ran for mayor of Carmel, was there a national calling that he should run for higher office? But that's our media. That's how they act. They're all in. They're activists. All this pious, we just report the facts, we don't pick sides, bullshit that Chuck Toad and Brian Seltzer say. It's not real. They pick sides. They're no different than me. Some dude sitting in a fucking room talking into a mic. They're picking sides all the time. And I want you to think, when in your life, if you remembered a left-wing administrative guy who used to be part of administration, have an interview shut down and be escorted off the premises in your lifetime? Because that's what Jake Tapper did this week. When he had Stephen Miller on, and this soundbite to me is unbelievable. Do you think tweets like that
10: help or hurt the cause that the president is stable enough for the job? Not only do I think they help it, but I think in the toxic environment that you've created here in CNN and cable news, which is a real crisis of legitimacy for your network, and we saw it, of course, with the extremely fake news you reported about the Don Jr. and WikiLeaks story. That was a huge embarrassment for your network, Stephen, just like the huge embarrassment you had when you got the Comey testimony wrong. Stephen, I'm trying to get to the issue of the the president's fitness, which a lot of people are questioning. I'm getting to the issue of your fitness, but the president's the president's tweets absolutely reaffirmed the plain spoken truth. A self-made billionaire revolutionized reality TV and tapped into something magical that's happening in the hearts of this country. The, people that you the president don't, has approval the people, rating in the 30s. I don't know what people, magical you're the talking people, about. The people that you don't connect with and understand, the people whose manufacturing jobs have left, who've been besieged by high-crime communities, and who've been affected by a policy of uncontrolled immigration, those voices, those experiences don't get covered on this network. That's so, why, the, I mean, to prove the point... I was, I was booked to talk about the very issues I'm just describing and you're not even asking about them because they're not interesting facts to you.
19: That's not true. Right. I have plenty of questions on immigration. You've attempted to filibuster by talking about your flight to no, the I'm not, I, No, I'm not. I want to ask a you second. a question. No, don't be condescending. Jake, Jake, the president and the White the House, the president and the White House, the president
10: and the White House. the reason why I want to talk about the president's experiences. What I've seen with him traveling to meet dozens of foreign leaders, with his incredible work. Okay, you're not answering major- the questions. No, I understand. So you have 24 hours a day of anti-Trump material. You're, being- you're not going to give three minutes for the American people to hear the real experience you're, you, you, of Donald you, there's Trump. There's
19: one viewer that
10: you care about right now, and you're being obsequious You're no, being factotum no, in order being- to please him. Okay. No. And I you think, know, I've, wasted I I think I've wasted enough of my viewers' time. you, As Republicans hey, lawmakers you call for Tony General about. Jeff Sessions to resign, in a major reversal, Democrats are now coming to his defense. What
12: changed? We'll ask the top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee next. Now, you resistant members out there are going to say, Tony, he's lying. He's embellishing those numbers. Trump hasn't done any of this. Name an entire fucking administration, any administration ever since you've been alive, who doesn't go on TV and spin their bullshit. When the, when the website didn't work for Obamacare and nobody fucking enrolled. Do you remember ever an Obama administration person going on there and not spinning lies? That everything's great, website's working, people are enrolling like crazy. That's what they do. They spin their numbers. But CNN has gone beyond MSDNC and Fox and bias. They're in an outright war with the president. I'm not thinking that they don't deserve to be pissed off. He attacks them. But go back to Fox. Eight years Obama dogged Fox. Eight years Obama said Fox wasn't real news. Eight years. And other than Hannity... There was no other time slot where people were calling out the president and cursing him. During the normal news day, okay, Fox and Friends and Hannity. Normal news days, Shep Smith and all those people, you didn't hear that kind of crap. They stayed a news agency. CNN gives no fucks. They hate the president. They wanted Hillary. So much show, I started the show with shithole. You have Anderson Cooper almost crying. Don Lemon telling the whole country to go fuck themselves. You voted for Trump. He's a racist. You're a racist. And black people, we told you so. Sorry, Don. I have black friends that voted for Trump. I don't know where the fuck you're at. Oh, you're in the bubble with your gay friends. You're in the gay bubble. Where somehow Trump's a homophobe, even though he's done nothing against gay people. Was for gay marriage before Hillary was, and before Obama was, and before Bill Clinton was. Interesting. That would never happen to a Democrat. And if it did happen on Fox News, it would be all over the networks. That Fox News is suppressing free speech. Won't let the administration. Demeaning the administration. They're racist. So, to the article I talked about to close out our Business Insider was the one that did it. We ate like Donald Trump. It was an entire week of washing down Oreos, Egg McMuffins, and Diet Cokes. Twelve Diet Cokes a day. And we feel really sick. Business Insider wanted to improve their clicks by doing that. But there's no bias here. None at all. More sound bites, media mass, good shit. Just good shit. Kellyanne, just dogs. Cuomo, some more crazy shit. Enjoy, and we'll go into stats of the day. It you know how drugs, drugs in get into this country?
5: It's killing many ways through the southern border, through the U.S. Postal Service, many different ways drugs come into this country.
13: Do you, you know how the majority of it gets into this country?
20: Uh, educate me, please.
13: Well, you know the answer. You know that the wall. Uh, th- which we don't even know. That's another topic for tonight. I don't even know what you mean when you say a wall anymore. The president said know? I'll two very different it right things. Now. But no, hold on. No, we didn't. Uh, no, because I don't want to run away no, from you know this. Because mean. this is an important point. Putting no, no, up no, a what, wall wait, wait, isn't going to stop illegal drugs coming into this country. and You know that they oh, come that's not, that's by ridiculous. air and they come in tunnels. I've been in them. I've been they in those tunnels. They come all different ways. Cramped, are you saying? I'm scary. sorry, Christopher.
5: Are you telling the viewers yeah. that? No drugs come through the southern
13: no, border? Did you I'm just saying say the that? idea that a wall is going to be Being the difference. Be an apple,
5: don't be a banana.
13: The wall is going to be a difference is a joke. Saying that a wall will keep fentanyl out of it's this country, joke. which the president so, said today, is a joke. Because no, it comes no, by out cargo of this ship. And cargo planes. This that. is high-grade U.S. US service, not something strapped on someone's back. That Actually, one of your friends is a synthetic said opioid. someone walking them across with cantaloupe calves. It's not true. It's a fiction. Well, hold on, not Chris. A fact.
5: You know that different, uh, many different firms bid on constructing the border wall, and that is something that is an in- incredibly important piece of this. But I still can't get you to agree that it's worthwhile. You said it's not yeah. going to help interdict any drugs, that this is silly, no, that they I all said, come through uh, airplanes and ports. That's
13: not what I said. That is not That is just false, because that's not
0: what I said. You seem to be glossing over the sort of uh, impulsive tweets. Lots of people are worried about what he's doing with Kim Jong-un and North Korea. He's shaking up foreign policy in a way that makes people very nervous. So does it make you nervous that the people in his inner sanctum are telling Michael Wolff that they think he's incapable of functioning at his job?
8: Well, I like, you know, a lot of these people that are quoted in that book are no longer in the White House. They're not in the inner sanctum. When when you talk about North Korea, I take a lot of confidence we have people like General Mattis, General McMaster, General Kelly. I think these are very good men that have a very long, broad breadth of experience. The president's put them in very key positions. So I don't think the country – I am concerned about Twitter. I've always said that the president should have a review process, that he should not just send out tweets. Yeah. That's his, his approach. He won. He feels he has to reach out because he feels the media, the liberal media, including yourself, Allison, mm. are not fair to him all mm. the time.
0: Uh, um, that Chris, I see you uh, laughing. We have, I, I mean, we, you should watch our show more I often. I don't want to accuse you this early in the morning. I appreciate that. You should watch our show more often Great. in terms of all the perspectives we have on But I want to ask you about yeah. this excerpt. Um, well, actually,
8: I think you guys are very fair, and that's why I come on your show. Thank you. I do think you're fair.
0: I appreciate that.
13: He's talking about the election. Uh,
0: Voter Commission commission on Voter Fraud.
13: And he's now making the case for voter ID. Now, the irony there is if they had done a real investigation into voting in this country, you'd realize that there's such problems with disenfranchisement, There's such reasons that having an ID qualification chills voting. But that's what he's talking about this morning, not this. The last part of that, voter ID, go ahead, have the debate, have the argument. Legitimate issue. There's a very strong reason that people will push not to have voter ID, but you can debate it. The rest of it, where's the debate in that? How is this just not untrue on its face? States did not not comply because they didn't want to reveal illegal voting. Anybody can look at the pleadings. They thought this was a setup. They thought that this was a railroad situation where Trump was trying to show through Chris Kobach that something happened in the election that did not happen and that's why they didn't want to comply
3: right because it was a waste of time it was an abuse of of government resources and time this is a joke I mean, the president saying that there, there, there's voter ID problems and voter fraud. Well, he's the same person who said that Barack Obama wasn't born in this country. I right. mean, just let's stop paying attention to this. He did a big to-do and it went nowhere because there was nothing to it. If he wants to get serious about voter fraud, he ought to look into voter disenfranchisement. Yes. That's the issue. Let's get more people voting.
20: And the real issue, obviously, in this country is not Voter fraud. The real issue is voter disenfranchisement. Is obstacles, unnecessary obstacles to voting?
0: Well, that's part of why they couldn't get any secretaries of state and states to cooperate, because, as you say, it was a waste of time in spinning their wheels. Also, because, as you know, the White House first started asking for people's dates of birth, social security numbers, and the secretaries of state were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Why, why are we giving, handing you over all?" Of a lot that? of them don't even, even have it. You? Of course. Right. And why are we handing over personal voter information? <laughs> that's not
13: a violation of principles of federalism. I don't know why people would. Get then the they went after people being that. registered different places as proof and they had people in their own administration. Exactly. Including Bannon, yeah. who was registered at in, 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 in in multiple states. Look, so,
20: so, look, we do need election reform. this country. We could use people, uh, a comprehensive study right. about voter disenfranchisement. about and that's voter the shame. Disenfranchisement. Yeah, but not ideological-driven
13: right. organization like this was. Uh, and we'll see now what the Department of Homeland Security actually does. And that's the shame, though, David, right? Because you could do a panel like this, get into gerrymandering. Yeah. You know, get into what they do that's a rigged places says. and right. different levels of chilling that they do with the vote. He could have done that, and you know what? He would have Expanded his base. Instead, he's just got another day of getting a slap down for a bet.
18: I want to ask you about what is happening in Iran. Uh, In in this morning's column, you have a fascinating line where you say (laughs) that Tehran, when you visited it a few years back in 2013, was somewhere between, was a mix uh, between Pyongyang and Los Angeles. Uh, which is something really that we saw in 2009. I, what I was struck by in 2009 during the protests was the fact that you had a red state Iran and you had a blue state Iran. It was split down the middle. Red state Iran wanted to keep the mullahs in charge. Blue state Iran wanted to move Iran into the 20th century so they could move into the 21st century. Uh, and you say, because it is so divided, uh, that this is a regime that just can't keep winning. They can't keep pushing back the tides of history. Talk about
4: they, it. So, uh, what has been fascinating this last week is that is that red state Iran, which loves the mullahs, and blue state Iran young, secular, uh, wanting change, supporting President Hassan Rouhani, Rouhani, have both been in the streets, uh, you know, in conservative cities like Mashhad, in the elite areas of Tehran. Same thing, same phenomenon. So uh, Iran has converged, I think, in a frustration with the regime's inability to deliver. He did take two questions from
20: uh, U.S.-based reporters. Uh, they were both from conservative outlets, The Washington Examiner and Fox, although John Roberts and Fox did ask him a, a challenging question that he didn't Answer about being interviewed by Robert Mueller and how that'll go, and that's when the president said he was um, and there was no collusion. He must have said that 15 times in his uh, one answer. Anyway, the point is that we got something out of it. Uh, Peter Alexander is standing by with more on that. It wasn't. It doesn't rank uh, among the crazier press conferences that we've had. There were some real questions and some some answers. Yeah, no, I think that's right, Ali. The, the president obviously called on two conservative media outlets, the Washington Examiner and, and Fox News. And when pressed for the question by my colleague at Fox News, John Roberts, specifically about whether he would commit to sitting down without conditions under oath with the special counsel, Robert Mueller, the president deflected. He repeated what he has said over the course of the last uh, many months, that there is no collusion, only said we'll see in terms of
12: his willingness to sit down with To our stats of the day, why did the Washington Post tweet a debunked hit piece on Jesus? there is some news value in questioning the existence of Jesus in the Christmas season, why not at least run a new article that addresses the harsh criticism of the original? This was on January 3rd. Controversy erupted over Christmas week when the Washington Post tweeted on an opinion article by Ralph LaTaster, They had published in 2014, it claims to show the existence of Jesus as a historical figure is likely no more than a myth. Critics question the timing of the tweet as a slap in the face to Christians preparing to celebrate one of their holiest holidays. Possibly more important, many seized on the reaction to the 2014 publication. Historians, including a professor who had lo- taught last during a class about the historical Jesus demolishes the claim. Its ideas were described as the fringe of the fringe compared to anti-vaccine science. Given that the article had been widely debunked, why would what would lead the Post to tweet it out, essentially rerunning it? If there is some news value in questioning, i will that. Perhaps the Post is his reason for ignoring the, those criticisms, but even so, why put this out during the Christmas season at all? The real and pretend war on Christmas, he covers, the biblical cultural dominance has flipped, Christianity deserves equal protection is the part I will read. Meanwhile, atheism, a belief system or lack theref- therefore is growing, and the U.S., is still treated as an underdog, marginalized perspective that requires protection from a media and other cultural powers. This is an outdated and dangerous perspective. Today, atheism often has just as much, if not more, power in public matters, especially in education. Where are the articles in our top outlets focused on atheism's inability to point to an absolute moral framework? Where are the attacks on relativism it is indoctrinating many of our children with? It is easy to roll one's eyes at Trump's proclamation that he made it okay to say Merry Christmas again. But that particular holiday greeting has always been in stand-in for the much deeper phenomenon in American culture. The presence and influence of Christianity is diminishing. So it is simply responsible for the Washington Post to push an article they know is flawed that so direct targets Christianity. It is perfectly acceptable to explore the historic nature of Jesus. It happens in colleges across the world every day, but it should not be done in a way that, respects, that, is, that isn't respectful and balanced. The Post article is neither. News outlets need to adjust to the new country and culture in which they now exist. The protection of minority religions' views that media have extended to Islam, Judaism, and atheism should now be offered to Christianity as well. Attacks on Christian beliefs are no longer a redress of historical inequity. They are now simply bigoted and need to stop. I love the article, and the Washington Post did it because they hate conservative. They hate them. Other stats. Big thing Bernie Sanders pushed out about Iceland's the first country to have illegal not to pay women, that's a lie, goes back to 63, deep freeze, of course, I didn't cover it, but climate change is a big thing right now with this huge storm going through the country, this is an actual CNN headline, bomb sign clone slams northeast, it will be colder than Mars, really, colder than Mars, no alarmism there at all, But Newsweek takes the cake in this subject. All the extra water from melting from glacier has caused, wait for it, the oceans to sink. Remember, we were told we're supposed to be underwater. Most of Florida is supposed to be gone, New Jersey, Staten Island. They're all supposed to be gone right now. That's what, that's what Al Gore said. None of that has happened. So Newsweek, Vox, Salon, Slate, they're running this article of a scientific study that the ocean floors have sunk. Thus, that's why. So now, instead of flooding, the ocean will go down. Is that, we're not going to have water. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. We're just making it up. Our biggest stat though is because of Oprah, and the Golden Globes. The media has to protect Hollywood. And Hollywood dressed in black, the men dressed in black, everybody dressed in black to support the Me Too movement. But now a group of female Democratic lawmakers are planning to wear black to President Trump's first State of the Union address. The statement is meant to be a show of solidarity to the anti-sexual harassment, Me Too, and Time's Up movement. All the sheep across the country regardless of sex, did Instagram pictures of them wearing that. I'm supporting the Me Too movement. Okay. Moving on. Google fact-checker sloppily targets conservative sites, ignores left-wing ones. Google New Fact Checker is just as biased as you would expect. On Tuesday, the Daily Caller reported that the feature, for the most part, is only targeted conservative sites. For example, Daily Caller, Daily Wire are fact-checked and mostly incorrect, as the two sites point out. But Vox, HuffPo, ThinkProgress, Slate, Salon, Mother Jones, and Daily Kos are not. I, I don't need to beleaguer this point because we covered it during the election. There's a reason a Google executive was on Hillary's campaign team. Google pushes you left by your searches, algorithms. It's just there. That's why Nazis are everybody in the administration. George Bush was the dumbest person on planet. And Obama will be found when you do higher being, deity, God. You'll find Barack Obama. Planned Parenthood thanks 34 entertainers in a new report. Planned Parenthood and Hollywood have long joined forces. According to America's largest abortion provider, entertainment stands with Planned Parenthood. As proof, Planned Parenthood's 2016-17 report lists an album to which entertainers donated various tracks. Those 34 performers include everyone from Handmaid's Tale author Margaret Atwood to singer John Legend and Mary J. Bly. 100% of the proceeds benefited Planned Parenthood. Thanks to a group of high-profile musician, artists, writers, comedians, and thought leaders, this this year's 7 Inches for Planned Parenthood was released. A cur- curated benefit project made of 7-inch vinyl records and digital downloads of original content. In the album itself, Planned Parenthood Cecil Richer again thanks the performers and goes on to it. The 34 entertainers who like killing babies. Never heard of her. Never heard of her. One, two, three. Bjork. Mary Jane Bly. We're at seven. I don't know anybody else. Uh, Churches, Estelle, Foo Fighters, Zach Galifagakis, Janine Garofalo, John Legend, Sarah Silverman, and St. Vincent. The album also included Mississippi abortionist Dr. Willie Parker and DEMO's president, Heather McGee. Likewise, in its 2014-15 report, Planned Parenthood listed specific celebrities who support it. The 2015-16 report did not. Among other findings, we've aborted 1,051,000 babies. Okay, good to go. So, there's our stats of the day. To a music break, I'm going to be playing today two songs from, uh, I'm going to fuck her name up. It's Haley Orontia. She is from the Goldbergs. Um, heard it the other day, didn't know it was her, but I actually liked the first song. It's a country song. Um, and then we're going to go into another music segment today. I am so angry about this. I, I didn't know how to process it. I actually threw shit. Some motherfucker took Teen Spirit and auto-tuned it to be a better song. So it was poppy. Yeah, that's sacrilegious. Mm-hmm.
1: no, man, pardon me Say your prayers every night I may look like a southern belle And you wanna drink from this well But you ain't gonna get that milk for free No, you're gonna need to buy the cow Boy, oh, pick me up Open my door Buy me dealer. Show me that you're working for it
5: Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony
14: Reid.
12: sucker piece of shit well i guess it's not a person sleep good a band from austin decided to mess with everyone by putting Kurt cobain vocals and smells like teen spirit through an auto-tuning plug and changing the song into a major key We're gonna listen to it first and then i'm gonna lose my fucking mind was carried in Esquire. Smells like teen spirit is in the wrong key proves that Nirvana could have been a great pop band. Let's get something straight. Nevermind sold 30 million copies worldwide and 10 million copies in the U.S. It's not that Nirvana could have been a great pop band. They indisputably were a great pop band and more precisely they were great because they redefined the notion of what could be popular music. Indeed the real problem with pop music is that we live in a world where everyone is telling you what pop is by cramming it down your throat without letting people organically decide in mass whether they like it. With that in mind, I've been thinking about this video for a while, and the weird little experience kind of explains how everything with the 90s alternative revolution went horribly wrong. Nirvana made such a massive impact that they established an inescapable template far too many sub- subsequent bands tried to follow. As this shows, most, almost no one got it right. There's amazing. It, what's amazing is that when you change SLTS definition to a major key, it sounds so generically '90s. The all, overall vibe is less reminiscent of Nirvana and more more reminiscent of, say, Letters to Cleo or a million other forgettable grungy bands that clogged up alternative nation on MTV. Best I can figure, there are two sp- square fairly special things about Smells Like Team Spirit. The first thing is as the autotune amply demonstrate, is overall med- melodic sensibility. So it's time for some music theory. Note. I'm not going to read that out. How Teen Spirit Messes with the I-144 I, I've, uh, one, four, four Progression. First, keep in mind the sound of your standard 144 four chord progression that you're, you've are you heard a million times. It's one of the biggest sta- staples of pop music. Hear, heard it again from... Heard in everything from Louie Louie to Wild Thing, and here I go again. With SLTS, you're hearing a choppy riff that seriously messes with listeners' expectations, who over decades have been preconditioned to hear the 1-4-5 chord progression. I'm saying that wrong. Other part, then there are the unsettling and unusual dynamics. The second thing about the song is that just amazing dynamics. Nirvana was hardly the first band to do loud, quiet, loud thing. Cobain even openly said he wrote the song trying to ape the pixies. But people were not accustomed to ballad level verses lurching in and out of punk heavy metal. Sonically, there's still something about that song that is shocking in terms of how loud, quiet, disparate the parts of the songs are. The rest of this article breaks it down into way too bigger shit. Let's just get to the fucking punchline. Nirvana! is the Beatles for a whole generation. Namely, mine. My generation. Nirvana brought in a whole new type of music. Everything about it was different. And it brings up the hypocrisy in our world. If you fucked with the Beatles, you get disparaged. If you redid a fucking B.B. King song, you got disparaged. If some white trash trailer park bitch got up and took a Beyonce song and changed it, racism accusations would ensue. But in our world, you can take a Nirvana song and rat fuck it and nobody's upset. Some are saying, Tony, you're taking this too far. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Nirvana is epic. Nobody had ever done it. Nobody will ever change music like them, Soundgarden, not Pearl Jam, even my wife says. Those two bands changed music. They changed music in the same form of fashion that Linkin Park brought out a grunge rap concept. It wasn't as epic as Nirvana, but it was still pretty epic. It was a totally different thing. You had a guy screaming, like Nirvana, and rapping, like Jay-Z. And you're like, what the fuck? This is cool. This is different. People will say, well, Run DMC and fucking Aerosmith. That's not the same. It's not even the same kind of music. Aerosmith is classic rock. But you don't fuck with that shit. You just don't fuck with Nirvana. The I've dis- not gone over this. That's why I don't even have a good lose my mind portion. I am still too pissed that somebody would have the balls to take this and rat fuck it. Let's be honest. How many Jimi Hendrix songs have been redone? People don't fuck with Jimi Hendrix. He was one of a kind. Nirvana is too. So to this shitty ass band, Esquire, the mainstream media, and all you motherfuckers, leave Nirvana alone. Don't redo their songs. Don't auto-tune it. Because my last point, at least in the 80s and 90s, people fucking sang. All the music here today, including that cute little girl with a chunky little butt that looked really weird with her skinny waist, who sang Christmas time, Christmas time again, or whatever the fuck it was. I liked the song. It was catchy. She does a Georgia, Florida, Alabama line, whatever the fuck those idiots are called. Florida, Alabama, Alabama, Georgia line, whatever. Florida, Alabama, Florida, Georgia line. There it is. Whatever. I don't know why I'm getting wrapped up in it. She does a song with them. Everything's auto tuned. Everybody's auto-tuned. Fucking Kanye West has gotten Grammys for not even fucking singing. He's auto-tuning. Most of your rap is auto-tuned. Not a motherfucker among you, including Beyonce, could play a goddamn music. She just shakes shakes her ass and sings really good. But she can't play guitar. She's not musical. That's one of the only things I give Kate, uh, uh, fucking Taylor Swift any kind of respect. At least she plays music. Can play guitar. It's not the same, so leave it alone. Then I want to really cover a really serious subject that has nothing to do with this. This touched my soul, and I want to do a soundbite. It's called Room in the End. It's a Nashville charity. And this shows I have a long way to go with being the good person I think I am.
7: Nashville's Room in the Inn will open its day center to accommodate overnight guests for the first time. The shelter hopes to get an additional 80 people off the streets.
9: Room in the Inn has been sheltering the homeless for 32 years. And it all began when a Catholic priest invited a group gathered in the church parking lot to come in from the cold. Ann has his story in Ann Holtz, Tennessee.
6: Well, Haley and Eric, when Nashville's homeless encampment was, turned down, was torn down back in the late 1980s, the people who lived there turned to nearby Holy Name Catholic Church. And there they found an ally in Charles Strobel. Charles Strobel comes to work at Room in the Inn every day, inspired by the unending task of caring for Nashville's homeless.
16: He's kind of our Colonel Sanders. He is, he is the face of our brand. He can't separate a man from his works. Who stands out?
6: This memorial tree in the guest house lobby reminds Strobel of 800 men and women who died never getting off Nashville streets. He knew many of them personally.
11: There's always something that is catastrophic, and it makes their recovery and healing so difficult because they've got so many obstacles to have to, to, to change and reverse and get through.
6: Room in the Inn offers hope. The network of faith congregations provides a basic need by sheltering hundreds of homeless people
11: across the city. Folks from all over the city come and pick up people who need shelter, those who don't have homes, and they take them to their place of worship and then feed them and offer them a safe place to sleep for the evening and bring them back in the morning with the sack lunch.
22: 125, 126, hang out right here behind Jerry, okay?
11: Feeding the
6: homeless goes back to the days when Strobel was a priest at Holy Name Catholic Church.
11: It seemed like all I ever did was make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and didn't know that I was doing anything except giving somebody something to eat.
6: Strobel was feeding body and soul. He opened a soup kitchen in 1983 called Loaves and Fishes, which is still open at Holy
11: Name. The simple simple act of giving somebody something to eat or a place to stay is um, far overdue. We need to do more of that, for sure.
6: Charles Strobel says he always knew his life would be one of service, inspired by the benevolent spirit of his mother, Mary Catherine.
11: She was someone who really knew everyone in the neighborhood and uh, for blocks and around she would uh, visit people. That was just her outgoing way.
6: When Mary Catherine was murdered in 1986 by a homeless drifter, Charles Strobel left the priesthood and devoted his full attention to helping Nashville's homeless. Today, room in the inn means more than food and shelter. Over the years, Strobel rallied the national community to offer real hope of getting homeless people off the street through education and employment, along with support for sobriety and mental health recovery.
11: I hope that whatever I've done, I've done with a good heart, and I hope that, um, that it's, it's something that has made a difference.
6: Without a doubt, it certainly Mm -hmm. made a difference. Charles Strobel made a big difference in the plight of Nashville's homeless population, and not just here. The concept of room in the inn has been adopted in 34 other cities around the country.
9: He has quite a legacy, and Mm -hmm. it's important tonight when it's going to be so cold.
18: Such a signature staple of our city right now. So many people know about it. As you mentioned, it's spread to other cities. Such an accomplishment.
12: A co-worker turned me on to this story, and I I was visibly moved. Um, The concept of your loved one, your life, you know, you've been married as long as I am, your wife is your life, being murdered, and then you devote your life to the sect this person came from. This was a homeless man who murdered his wife. He left the priesthood. He started taking care of these people. Truly turning the other cheek. It's something I can't do. I don't do on this podcast. I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm vengeful at times. I have grudges. I get angry. But this gentleman, Mr. Strobel, is a shining example to all of the way we should live our lives. The way the Bible tells us to live our lives. Anybody who's religious, the Quran, even though all the Islamists will never say it, tell you to live it. Those that were raised by good families and aren't religious. The golden rule on how we're supposed to live our lives. Do unto others as you would want others to do to you. Pretty simple and straightforward. And uh I just had to play it. I thought in all this hate of Trump that we cover on the show, hate of people in the red states, the reason why I do the show by people like Don Lemon, that should be my lead off every day. Go fuck yourself because you don't think like me. I can't think like you. You're a fucking racist who hates white people and you're gay. I don't know how to think like that, but I don't hate you like you hate me, Don Lemon. Maybe if more people in the political persuasion in our media would apply the principles of a room in the inn, maybe our public discourse would be a lot better. To another music break and news, social, media,
4: nuggets.
1: Dress is white, his eyes are blue. Just hope that he takes care of you, my love you were once my love But time is gone and I've too So why do I still think of you? My
6: At the media bubble, one
5: podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Slipping, slipping,
1: slipping into the
5: Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host
17: lose his mind.
7: a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct, and it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance,
17: have right see two. these girls? To yeah.
7: No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and no, they'll pop your figs. Save the
21: whales. Yeah, he's in the military now. Three doses that you okay. hear
12: all right, that was Tim Halpern and Katie Ortenia. Ortenia, or I don't know what's their name, from the Goldbergs. That's a good song, too. The military corner. Stolen valor. Fake Green brave, forced to shut down Honor Guard Group. He's a liar. Another guy was caught saying he had nine Purple Hearts. Kind of doing the carry.
22: <laughs>
12: Lying. A foreign Navy screw-up. New $3 billion missile sub is destroyed because they left the hatch open. $2.9 billion. Yeah. Indian Navy, not too smart. What is the greatest fears for U.S. military planners for a war with North Korea? The ability to medevac. They believe North Korea and the terrain itself will hamper... The medevac capability of the United States Army, that's a true statement. It's going to be very hard to get helicopters in everywhere. They have air defense. We haven't fought in air defense since, uh, what, Vietnam? Yeah. And lastly, well, not lastly, I guess I have quite a few more. The USAF's 4,602-mile-per-hour hypersonic warplane. Google Earth got a picture of it. It looks like a dart. It is badass. And yes, folks. That is Mach 6. Mach 6. And I was wrong. That is Military Corner. That's the end of it. I'm so freaking stupid. But that's okay, because now we move on to the crazy. Bye. Can't be more confused and disgusted. H&M decided to put the black boy and the coolest monkey in the jungle hoodie and the white boy in the survival expert hoodie. Can't believe it's 2018. This offensive, sickening racism still exists. We all must boycott H&M till they apologize. Somebody tweeted in today on the left. Let's offend, be offended by everything. My God. I showed it to my resident's. I've been called the N-word throughout my life, repeatedly, all over the place, yet I've never heard of it. But that's okay, because it's been recent, too. So that's a little
4: stupid. Singer
12: Ginny Wine. Ginny Wine, he's a rapper, I don't know. He turned down the advances of a transgender. Now the left has attacked him as transphobic. But the problem is, in this world where we're all supposed to be equal... If a woman, uh, i just breaking it. Up. Hashtag me too and hashtag let your freak flag fly coincide. And I live by your principles. Do I have to fuck a dude with a dick or a chick with a dick? Because if not, I'm a transphobe. Is that what you're saying? I know we've read on there, there there's actual articles where people say that. They, they say that. It, you're transphobic. We need to get white men to start having sex with fucking transgenders. Because if not, they'll never get the idea that it's okay to go chop the cock off. Um, but if I live by me too, no means no. So where the fuck are we at, folks? Because I don't understand. It's the first time I've ever taken up for a rapper. Don't like rap music. Don't get it as I just spouted in the Nirvana section. They're not singing. It's people talking, grunting, grunting. ...or auto-tuning. It's not music. I can do it. For fuck's sake. It'll be there someday. Old white dudes rapping. To our college crazy, creators of implicit bias tests receive academic award. The American Psychological Association recently honored the creators of the controversial implicit bias test, which is highest award for academic research. Implicit bias theory has been embraced on college campuses as a component of freshman orientation diversity workshops, and psychological classes. But recent research has shown it to be ineffective at changing behavior. Of course, they're going to get awards. Whenever you say America's racist, you get an award. How do I know? Professor says white Christians facing an existential crisis. That's a professor, folks. A crisis theology professor argues in recent academic journal article that white christians tend to support donald trump because they are facing an existential crisis darius hillis says this has created a sense of ag- aggrieved entitlement and led them to turn to trump to help ameliorate their racial and religious anxieties see what i'm saying there they voted for trump because he's a racist and they just need somebody to say it's okay but it is isn't an existential threat my friends it's a real threat when we're doing hit pieces and CNN rolls out Finding Jesus, which is basically a long show to say, Jesus didn't exist, he was just some dude. Like David Koresh. Seriously, folks. The state of Christianity is impounded. I was on post the other day, motherfucker had a motherfucking beard longer than mine. I've been retired for 12 years. When asked by a sergeant why he had those beard, religious belief. Understand for twenty years I couldn't have a cross St. Christopher and nothing. You got fuckers in turbans, wiccan outfits, full beards, can't eat pork. Yeah. Christianity isn't under attack. UJ offers how to guide how-to guide on using gender neutral pronouns. The LGBT Resource Center recently produced a how-to guide. On Pronouns, the pamphlet includes a chart listing alternatives to gender pronoun gendered program pronouns, along with a worksheet where students can practice the new formulations. Hmm, let's look at this for a second. What good stuff do we have here? Instead of using he or she, for example, the chart suggests they, Z, A, E, per, or V, each of which has a corresponding variation to replace the formulation her, him, her, his, hers, his, and her himself, and accompanying how to provide example sentences directing students to fill in the blank. Respecting someone's gender identity means using their pronouns, whether they are an or not, it declares below the practice sentences. The guide also includes advice for those who may be uncomfortable using gender-neutral pronouns, encourages them to volunteer their own preferred pronouns, and asks others to specify. It isn't rude to ask someone what their pronouns are. Ask away. They'll be glad that you care enough to get it right. It assures readers advising them to use they, them, and their in classes where they do not know on someone else's preferred pronoun. The guide also urges students to introduce yourself with your name and your pronouns so that others will feel comfortable. Hi, I'm Tony. I have a penis. I don't want to chop it off. Him is just fine with me. Just him. You know, this is, this is bullshit. But not as much of bullshit as this. Like that segue? Entire class punished for microaggression comments. A Columbia University professor recently described how an entire class was punished after some students used microaggression language. Online chat. On an online chat. After requiring students to read two articles on microaggressions and racial identity, the instructor separated the white students from the people of global majority for a debriefing. People of global majority. Yeah. That kind of blows you the minority concept. If you're the global majority, then where is my affirmative action? Georgetown approves gender and sexuality housing options you see a theme there we're segregating we're all in the segregating now doj professor harassed white student over cultural appropriation and was punished we covered a couple months ago yeah crystal sudana an american indian studies lecturer Oscar Montega had called her racist for wearing a shirt depicting the school's logo with a spear through it and later threatened to lower her grade when she began digging into his master's theses. Mon Jay had been at a forefront of effort to retire the school's Aztec mascot, which he calls a form of cultural appropriation that perpetuates historical in- ignorance. Mm. Yeah, okay. We have a lot of this lately. Everything is oppressive to our minorities. Doing homework, not taking naps, math, English, everything. Well this one, student op-ed, academic freedom is oppressive to the minority. An American University student criticized academic freedom in a recent op-ed arguing that it is oppressive to the minority and blasting the Faculty Senate for approving a resolution more than two years ago. Nicholas Mack elaborated that he believes professorial academic freedom stops where our death begins. Yeah, basically it is give me the fucking A. Go fuck yourself. And lastly, in our college crazy, botion students endorses murdering two-year-olds. Knoxville, Tennessee. University of Tennessee at Knoxville recently advocated aborting children up to two years old, citing their inability to communicate as justification. During a conversation with Students for Life field coordinator, the unidentified student compared toddlers to trees, declaring that without communication, we have no way of knowing if you're sentient or not. That's how far Planned Parenthood has brainwashed people. I say as a joke on the show that the Me Too Women's March movement believes you should be able to stab the head while it's crowning. Now we have lefties saying we should kill babies when they're two weeks old. It's justifiable. A toddler should be just killed. Parent doesn't want them, just kill them. Getting out of the college crazy, but going still into the crazy. Transgender inmate seeks rare transfer to me female prison. No, he has not chopped his cock, but he believes he should be able to, and because it's in southern Illinois, he will move into a female prison and start laying dick on everybody because that's what Illinois is more important. And not our bankruptcy status, not that we're totally out of money. It's all about Free abortions for everybody, as we covered in the last podcast, and the transgender movement. Hmm. This one's serious, and it shows that not only do American men act like shitheads, other ones do. Spirit airline. FBI woman was assaulted on Vegas flight. Indian man 34 faces felony sexual abuse rap. In the article, the woman wore up, woke up, her pants and shirt were unbuttoned, and he was fingering her. When she woke up, he just stopped and went away. Huh. That's fucking horrible. That guy need to be thrown out of the fucking plane. Put everybody in their seat, buckle them in, put on your oxygen mask, open the door, toss them the fuck out. Just toss them the fuck out. Or shove them through the toilet in pieces. That's a piece of shit. Um, satanic suicide. Tourist couple found dead on Greek island. Police say they uh committed suicide for the devil. And in other weird cult, cultish, satanic crap. Milford man tore heads off chicken in jealous rage. Went to the house, killed all the chickens. I don't think you're gonna get the girl back by killing her chickens. But the grossest thing in the crazy, Affinity Magazine, which builds itself as the first social justice platform that directly caters to teens, has weighed in on Call Me By Your Name, the controversial new film which revolves around a sexual relationship between a 24-year-old man and a 17-year-old boy. According to high school teenager Fernando Reyes, people who are rightfully creeped out by the idea of such a relationship are all bent out of shape over nothing. See, in Italy, the age of consent is 14, which makes this totally okay. Affinity Magazine. calling by your name is set in Italy, where the age of consent is 14. There's no solid argument for anyone to state the narrative is a pedophiliac or even predatory one. And they go on and do a whole article that what's wrong with grown men fucking little boys. Joanne at U-L-U-W-A-J-F-A-L. Don't know who she is. But her tweet is to die for. It's just a big picture. That shit looks bad. Delete, delete, delete. But remember, we've covered it numerous times on the show. The left's down with pedophilia. That's why it was okay for the gay guy now, Mister Fucking House of Cards, Kevin Spacey, to bone a fourteen-year-old and then say he's gay. You notice how that one went on the papers. Everybody's cool with it. Kevin Spacey. He's a great guy. The freaking bizarre shit. Thai penis whitening fad drives social media nuts. A hundred men have gone in a week to go get their penis lightened. They put some shit on it and they have a white dick. Why is... Why? Why? To our crazy sex shit that we come all the time, porn sites report women watch more porn in 2017 than men. Pornhub and X Hamster—that's a real site, X Hamster. What the fuck? Have recently unveiled year-in-review reports 2017, in which much of it is far from surprising. People like cheerleaders. Can you believe it? One find, consisting across both reports, further confirms that many have known for a long time: women are watching more porn. Let's start with Pornhub. In twenty seventeen notes that there were two point twenty-four point seven billion searches on site last year. Twenty-four point seven billion on one website. The number one search, that'd be porn for women, a term that saw three hundred and fifty-nine percent growth among female users between twenty sixteen and seventeen. Among overall users, the phrase saw a fourteen hundred percent increase over the year. What else were people looking for? Apparently, searches for Rick and Morty, yes, the animated TV show, and fidget spinners were up last year. Sex with fidget spinner. Have you fucking lost your mind? Boobs aren't good anymore. You want a girl fidget spinning? Oh, you're a sick fuck. Then we have X-Amsters year-end report. Last year, the site saw a 2.4% increase of women viewers across the globe. Broken down by country, the site recorded the biggest gains in South Africa, where female users grew up by 23%. China had a 28% increase. Overall, women represent 26% of ex-hamsters' total users. The top search for, ter- for women in U.S., well, that would be daddy. While the top search for women globally was mom. As ex Hamster noted, the share of women viewers on porn sites has increasingly stayed in the last few years. To cover back in April, a YouPorn survey of 24,000 women found that 60% of the respondents said they watch porn a couple times a month, if not weekly, while 18% said they view porn daily. Further, further proof that women like sex also. That's not important statement because as i learned when i was a 20 something as a drill sergeant or co-ed some of the shit the women said made me blush two other sex things that i only cover because we covered it a couple months ago which is crazy robot stripper named r2dd and triple cpu <laughs> we're stripping at the ces party that is a real thing There was a video I couldn't play, but they show these strippers and they put a bra on a robot and they were going up and down the pole. I wow, Mm. but this one scared me. If you've accidentally clicked on a wrong link on the internet, you'll know there's a shitload of women sex toys. There's things that design you know that are wireless. There's shit that connects to the internet, so like you have real sex. We covered that on the show once, and there's. Ones that they connect that people can do things to you, I guess. I don't know. It's like a weird thing. It came up in this article. It looks like a big, long hot dog, but has a tail for an antenna. It's kind of creepy. But this one, because we've covered this over and over and in England that's so huge, the robot shit is getting a little scary. Maybe sex robots, wait for it, will make men, not women, obsolete. Advances in robotic and artificial intelligence have raised a dystopian concern for women. What if female robots become so realistic and so adept to sex that they render men incapable of engaging in real human relationships? Which we've also covered on the show. Those who want to go back and hear some interesting statistics was about the desensitization of people for sexual intimacy due to watching porn all the fucking time. Actually, I think it's men who should be worried. It's entirely possible that robots could outperform them. Perhaps it's time for the big think. Are women not as capable as men of crude objectification? There's room here for everyone's impure thoughts and desires. Robots don't discriminate, and they could probably give good massages. Don't get me wrong, I have a good husband, I doubt I would trade it in, but if I had a daughter, I might consider giving her a robot as a college graduation present, preferably one who could do the dishes and guard the door. And then the article goes into the fact that the robot could go on for hours sexually. And it made me think, maybe I need to up my game. Huh? Might be replaced? How would you feel? You walked in the closet and there's a dude. It's a robot dude. Or you come home early off a business trip and your wife's laying with a robot dude. I would fucking run him over with my Jeep. Two our lighter fare. Okay, we got two sound bites for a lighter fair. The first one is going to sound like it's politics, but I love the way Sarah Sander bashed Jim Acosta, that cock eating fucking piece of shit. The second one is a real fucking ad. It's for furniture. I saw it. I laughed my ass off. It's not going to be as funny when you can't see it, but damn it. We need more ads like this. And a quick
3: follow up on, on FISA. Uh, there seems to be a pattern. and and correct me if I'm wrong, there is no pattern, where the president watches something on Fox & Friends and then he tweets about it. Apparently this morning uh, one of their uh, personalities, uh, Andrew Napolitano, uh, said that uh, this is not a good deal, Mr. President, don't do this. And then he went on Twitter and tweeted about the FISA program. Uh, There have been folks out there who have said, you know, there's a cause and effect. He watches something on Fox & Friends. Uh, and then he tweets about it. Is that what happened this morning, and does that go on?
21: I'm sure you're disappointed he's not watching CNN. Uh, I, I think he but, a lot of
3: CNN, if you don't mind. Uh, <laughs> I,
21: I don't think that's true. Your numbers would be higher. Um, I, so uh, in, in reference to uh, the question specifically... No, it's not. Uh, In response to the question that I just said, the president has a great deal of understanding. This is top of mind. He was talking about it last week. He issued a presidential memo on it. Uh, So it's not something that just happened this morning. This has been an ongoing discussion and something of great importance. The president doesn't believe that uh, Americans' rights or liberties should be abused, but he certainly believes that Americans should be protected. He wants to make sure we do both of those things, uh, and that's why he supports the 702, but has With FISA more generally. Can't we all just get along at the Red House furniture? We We can! can.
1: At the Red
24: House! I'm Richard, aka Big Hayes. I work at the Red House and I'm black. I like putting iron and popping furniture into people's homes.
20: I'm Johnny, a.k.a. Ten Gauge. I work at the Red House and I'm white.
1: I like deer hunting, bass fishing, and extending credit to all people. At the Red House. I'm black and I love the Red House.
24: I'm white and I love the Red House.
1: I'm a black woman and I love the Red House.
18: I am white and the Red House is for me.
1: At the Red House. Look at the sofa. It's perfect for a black person or a white
24: person. This mattress
3: is perfect for a white person or a black person.
1: At the Red House, where black people and white people buy furniture.
8: And Hispanic people, too. And all people.
12: That is for freaking reels with the Z, like the young folks say. That's a real commercial. It's not a parody. It's not for funny or die. It's real. And that is real awesome. So I thought that was just funny as shit. Lastly, I got a cover. As everybody who follows the show knows, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan and an Oregon Duck fan. But I'm also a Marcus Mariota fan. And last weekend, I tuned in for the end of their wildcard game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course today they're going up, they're gonna be playing in uh well they're already up, but they're up there in uh Boston playing the Patriots and they're they're probably not gonna win that game unless something crazy really happens. Um but I am kinda of rooting for Mario to do well in the Titans, I live here. I couldn't say I I, I wouldn't you know I'd be root I only root against the Titans when they play the Packers. But for any other time, I hope they win. And he did something that I don't remember ever happening. Of course, it did happen. Brad Johnson did it. But he did three key plays that were just phenomenal. He ran for first down with a wicked stiff arm. Um, he did a block that was just awesome that basically won him the game, in my eyes. And he started their comeback from 18 points down with throwing himself a touchdown.
22: ...on the play, third down and goal.
10: Tennessee in dire need of six and not three. Mariota.
7: Mariota to the line of scrimmage, maybe across the line. It's a fletch back to him for a touchdown for the moment. That
12: is still one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And, you know, I've been very vocal about how when he came out, Winston and all the love he got, the crab lane, sexual harassing, Piece of fucking shit who came from Florida State. You know, if I was podcasting when they won the Rose Bowl and beat the shit out of them, I would have been crowing on this little mic right now. But I think Mariota, who had a bad year, he's a phenomenal player. And he doesn't get a lot of love because he doesn't get vocal. He's not the guy that's going to go out and talk trash and act a fool all the time. So I had to cover it. I think it's just phenomenal, and I really really um, hope they give them a go. I hate Brady. I hate the Belichicks. I hate the fucking Patriots. I'm done with them. Just like some people hate my Packers because they've been winning too long. It would be neat to see the Titans pull something off tonight. So I'll be rooting for them in the snow zone. Which is the last thing for my close. I don't want to say anybody out there in the area be safe. We got four and a half here. Ice. Snow. Took us an hour to get home yesterday because I went out opened my work. My wife opened hers. We had to close it go travel the whole roads. Thank God I own that badass Jeep cuz we never would have made it home. It was a hot fucking mess. Um they'll so be safe. Terrible temperatures. 20s all weekend, a little warm up Monday on Martin Luther King Day, which will be my next podcast, and then freezing, just like a high of 13 where I live in Tennessee. So if Tennessee's 13, God help everybody around me. So you people in Virginia, People listen all over the country and the snow zone. Please be safe. Stay in the house. We made soup. Um, we're cleaning out the pantry and making shit because we didn't really get groceries, but we filled up on gas. Uh, stay home. Ain't nothing to be out there. In my town alone, the town, major town I live next to, 45 accidents yesterday. I 24, I 65, I 40 West and East were closed all night jackknifes, 40-call pileups. It's just been a fucking hot mess, so so just stay home. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Send comments by email at FOPpodcast at gmail.com. FOPpodcast at gmail.com. You get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember, to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at FOPpodcast.com. FOPpodcast.com. It's a theme. There you can see feeds of the show, links to our Facebook page and email us. You'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and the blog on the blog page, which I don't do a whole lot. We will be doing a podcast on Monday, 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 January 15th, Year of Our Lord 2018, because I'm going to have a long week. And then the next one will be the following. Uh, well, it won't be Saturday. I'll try to get one Friday because I have to work Saturday. As stated before I went into the little spiel I end every podcast stay safe out there stay warm disconnect your devices spend time with your family tune in Monday the bodies the as always
7: thanks for listening friends take care the bodies hit the floor.